This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, good uh, evening from Qatar and good afternoon, Winnipeg and Manitoba. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson coming to you live from uh, Doha in Qatar, site of the World Cup. An amazing day so far. And uh, if you're watching with us live on YouTube, France and the Aussies getting going right now in the final of four matches. And tomorrow... It's the big day for our nation. Canada returns to the World Cup for the first time since 1986, playing the powerhouse Belgians. We'll talk about that later on in the second hour of the program with Steven Sandor. But we'll certainly get into a little more World Cup talk and everything that we've got going on here with Michael Remus in just a second when we get going. Um, cannot wait to talk with Reem, with Trevor Kidd, and Mike McIntyre about what was an absolutely bananas game at the uh, Canada Life Center last night. 90s night, the fanny packs were out. Some really, really creative game presentation by the Winnipeg Jets. And a wild game, which saw them pretty much in control for a full 55 minutes. And then Carolina pulled the goalie for five, tied it up, and Josh Morrissey was the hero in overtime. Uh, One that got a lot of people talking. Had a real fun time listening to... Kenny and Rennie last night kind of go over everything about the uh, about last night's game. So we'll get to all of that and uh, much more here on today's program. Um, do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day just before we get going. Of course, Coolbet Canada. Big thanks to Coolbet for having me here. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out my Instagram at Hustlerama and make sure you're following the Coolbet socials on Twitter and Instagram at Coolbet Canada. TikTok as well. Uh, we've got some great content coming out for myself and Jake Bull and Moss. Just uh, hopefully giving people back at home a little taste of uh, Canada returning to the World Cup and everything we've got going. Of course, Princess Auto, our friends over at Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course. Of all the sponsors I'm missing the most, it's probably Little Brown Jug because I've yet to see a beer. Although I did see some Bud Zeros today at the Fan Fest down in downtown Doha, which we'll get to in just a minute. But uh, can't do this without all of them. Appreciate everyone supporting the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. All right, we've got lots to get to, so let's dive right into it. Trevor Kidd coming up. Cannot wait to have Kidder on the program. Mike McIntyre as well, and some World Cup talk in Hour 2 with Steven Sandor. Let's get Remus into the uh, picture here. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling good, Hats. I'd probably be feeling more misery if the Jets would have blown that three-goal lead with five minutes left after playing such a great 55 minutes against one of the Top teams in the East Stanley Cup contender, Carolina Hurricanes, and the Jets show they can hang with them uh, and scoring three. But I almost wonder, like, does Carolina just for the rest of the season now play with six guys? Like, they scored three goals in five minutes. I mean, if you project that over a full 60, uh, us, <laughs> like, I think Carolina's just broken the NHL. They're just going to play six on five, blast shots from the point with Brent Burns, and, um, you know, hopefully no one takes the guy in front and they can just tip them all in. Uh, never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Three goals with the goalie pulled. Uh, it was, it was cra- crazy. Like, and you kind of felt 
kind of felt it happening. They kept getting stuck in their end. They couldn't get it out and getting shots. And just some of these, it was like practice for them. The guy would stand in front and he'd get a stick on all the pucks and, and tip him in. I don't even fault. I'm not faulting Riddich on those at all. The guy's been, guy's been pretty good, actually, since that first game. Yeah, listen, I I absolutely um have been impressed with the Big Save Dave, and uh, I love his nickname. I love calling him Big Save Dave, and um you know he made some big saves um throughout the game up until that. And, and listen, I don't think you can fault Dave Riddick at all. I mean, listen, there was um a lot of traffic. They were putting pucks on net. It was essentially a power play situation. Um, we'll get to some of the intricacies as well as some of the lineup decisions. I mean, listen, Rick Bonus has pressed all the right buttons so far this year with this hockey club. Um, but it was a little strange to see some of the guys that put it this way, if it was up to me, I mean, you're essentially in a penalty killing situation, maybe roll out some of the guys that, you know, are good in those situations that you normally count on killing penalties to ice that game. Didn't happen last night. And of course they had to go to overtime, but that just made for an even more exciting finish. And Josh Morrissey being the hero in three on three overtime last night um listen we'll get to the game in a minute remo i know a lot of people who are here as everyone kind of joins us live um paying attention knowing that i'm here in qatar getting ready for this big canada belgium game tomorrow which of course is going to be going on while we do the live show so i won't be on the program tomorrow remo and the gang will be holding it down with uh, guests and more uh but man what an experience today uh i'm now sort of more on qatar time for those of you wondering it is just after 10 p.m. here. So I've had a sort of a full day. You can see my face is somewhat red. I did not pack sunscreen and uh, made a poor decision not to wear a hat today in the blazing sun. Uh, the temperature hasn't been too bad. I think it got to like 28, 29 today. It's about 23 for kickoff of this France game. It wasn't too bad. Uh, but we did win around. We go downtown, checked out the CONCACAF Cafe. Wanted to make sure we popped in there, A, because I missed the fanny packs last night uh, given out at 90s night for the Winnipeg Jets. And I got to give a shout out to Nikki, who's one of the big supporters of Valor FC, who's here, who let us know that they were giving out the CONCACAF fanny pack. So picked that up, had a nice uh, meal. I think it was more sort of from the, some of the Central American members of the CONCACAF conference, uh, some rice and beans and pitas and stuff like that. Anyways, neat to see there. Walked around a little bit and then ended up going down to the big park in downtown Doha and taking in uh, the fan festival and caught the second half of the Saudi Arabia Argentina game, which as we'll talk with Steve Sander a little later on, one of the biggest uh, upsets in recent world cup history. For those of you that like to follow the lines at cool bet Saudi Arabia to win that game going in was plus 2,600, a 26 to one underdog. You've thrown a hundred dollars on Saudi Arabia to win that game, you would have returned 2,700 bucks. So it was wild, but man, getting a chance to really be for the first time around people from all around the world, the passion that they have for the sport and their countries. It was, uh, Remo, it was really my first taste of the World Cup experience. The last couple of days, it's been figuring out, making sure how the show's working, getting ready for Canada. Uh, but today, really did feel like I was at the World Cup, part of the World Cup, and man, we got to see history. I don't know if you've seen any of the scenes from Saudi Arabia since the game has been going on. They've already declared a national holiday for tomorrow. So I know we've traditionally been a hockey country, and 
Soccer has sort of been secondary. Not anymore. We're going to show we're a soccer nation right now. And who knows? Maybe a win over Belgium and uh, Justin Trudeau or whoever is in charge can make the next day a national holiday <laughs> for Canadians. I'm joking a little bit on that, but um, certainly Canada's a far shorter underdog in that game tomorrow as Saudi Arabia was today. But, uh, man, fun, fun day so far, a full day. And uh, I wanted to just get that out right away because I know a lot of people interested in what it's like. Uh, no, I've not had a beer yet in Qatar. Did see a few Bud Zeros, but... The thought of dropping 30 reals on a Bud Zero just doesn't really compute. So there might be a beer at some point, but it's not about that. It's about the soccer. It's about the culture of this event. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're in for uh, we're in for a really, really fun day tomorrow. Make sure you watch the game and check out everything we've got going on all couple weeks here at uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I, got, I know you don't have the chat up uh, because you don't have your regular setup, but you are getting roasted in the chat, just like you got roasted <laughs> out there today. They're like, no sunscreen in the desert. Is this guy for real? You didn't wear a hat, Hus? This is a this is an amateur move, rookie mistake, Hus. Amateur have- hour. Hey, I'm a World Cup rookie. What can I say? World Cup rookie, and I didn't think about it. I'm not. Listen, I don't feel sunburnt at all. Although maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll come in a little bit afterwards. But um, I, it wasn't like I was out there all the time. A little bit fair, I will admit. A little pink today. And yes, I will accept all the roasting that I've been given. I will take it under advisement, people. I will probably wear that next time I'm outside for a long period of time. Um, but uh, tell you what, it was uh, it was something to see. Um, and if you haven't already, I put a bunch of photos and videos up, uh, mostly videos, up on my Instagram. Um, so check it out, at Hustlerama. Throw a follow there and you can see some of it. Wow, Australia striking first with an early goal against France. They're up one nothing. Uh the French now one of the top French players coming off the uh, off the field as well. Very interesting start. Just goes to show Remo the unpredictable nature of the sport and the World Cup right now and to be honest it's giving me even more excitement for what's to come tomorrow when uh, Canada makes its return to the World Cup. We will talk about all that a little later on, as I mentioned. We'll, we'll have a soccer segment uh, with Steven Sandor. Looking forward to that. Um, but, man, just before we get to the Jets, I have to bring this up. And I know we spent Monday's show pretty much breaking down the Grey Cup, what happened to the Bombers, and obviously the disappointment that so many of us were feeling after such an incredible season fell just one point short. But, man, if there was ever something that kind of described how the Argos have been treated like second-class citizens in that market, not just by the fans, but by the people that own their club, um, the fact that last night, a full day after winning the Grey Cup, when you went to the Argos site, you wouldn't have even known that the team had won. One of the most embarrassing things in the modern-day sports communications I have ever, ever heard. Yeah, shout out to it was uh, Bubba O'Neill, who we had on the show last year from CHCH in Hamilton. Tweeted out last night around 7.06 Eastern. Uh, I can throw up the tweet here. He tweeted out, it's now 7.06 on Monday, and nowhere is there a story or notification that the Argonauts won the Grey Cup. And he has a screenshot of their website. It's on uh, YouTube here. And you wonder why there's a disconnect between Toronto fans, especially young and the franchise and insane. And then Jeff Hamilton retweets like, this is actually insane. And I kind of agree. Like you would think that there would be a picture, uh, something, 
Um, I think that's just a, when we talk about the CFL having a problem reaching people, it's a marketing issue. Uh, the quality, the game, and the presentation is all great, but when you're not telling people, hey, <laughs> we won, we're champions, uh, there might be a problem there. And then I was reading some of the comments we got on our YouTube show yesterday, which was basically a funeral for the Bombers season. And it's still depressing. And thanks to everyone who left a comment. And the one that hurt me the most was someone writing, we lost to a team, to a city that didn't even know they were in the Grey Cup. And just reading that, just reading that hurt. Knowing, and then there was another comments like, it wasn't just, you know, the one Grey Cup. It was about the legacy of, being able to win three in a row and they weren't able to do it. And we went over all the reasons. I think there wasn't just one. It was just a number of things did not go right. They had opportunities. They did not take advantage. And it it definitely uh, sucks and still hurts. And if the Jets would have blown that lead yesterday, <laughs> I was like sitting there like watching it on, on my screen, just like, oh my God, if they blow this 3-0 lead... But I think, you know, you'll talk about American Thanksgiving coming up here, Huss, and the Jets are in a playoff spot. And I think this Jets team, they find a way to win that game. Jets team in the past, if they would have given up um, three goals, like last year's Jets team, if they would have given up three goals with the goalie pulled, hell, they might have given up four. <laughs> but uh, they maybe they would have lost in overtime and not found a way to win. And when they haven't played well this year, uh, they have found ways to win over and over again. And... I posted Paul Edmonds' call. His call is like, and the Jets win in overtime again. I believe they've got five overtime wins this year. Last year, they were like 7 and 11 in overtime. And uh, it's becoming the difference uh, this year for sure. And uh, we haven't, I know we haven't talked, I'm kind of going to the buffet here, but Josh Morrissey, I mean, two goals yesterday. What a season he's having. Yeah, well, I think ever since uh, Brandon Wiki uh, coined him uh, potentially Josh Norrissey, um, you know, we've uh, been on fire right now. What a season he's having. Um, and, and we'll hear from Rick bonus on last night's game in a minute, but you know what? It's a perfect segue though, Reem, into the why not question of the day. Um, and let's get this out to jet fans. Um, how are you feeling when that lead evaporated in a matter of five minutes with Carolina pulling the goalie three times? And what's your takeaways from the fact that the Winnipeg jets were once again, able to find a way to win. Hit us up in the chat right now. And if you're checking out the YouTube afterwards, hit us up in the comments. Um, and of course, you can always send feedback on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about what Trevor Kidd has to say about it. And this is a guy that's played so many games in the National Hockey League and knows what teams are all about. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear from Trevor that, you know, this is a different team in a lot of ways um, and their belief in each other. It started, you know, really in training camp with a lot of the things that they've done behind the scenes is helping them at times of great adversity. And that certainly was an adverse moment. Um, you know, when that final goal went in and all of a sudden it's three, three and everyone in the buildings jaws are on the floor that what was looked like completely in hand had evaporated, but to the jets credit and to Pierre-Luc Dubois credit for an incredible pass to Josh Morrissey and 44 going in and finishing the job. Um, they got two points. It's about stacking up the points right now. I know there's no three-on-three three overtime in uh, in the playoffs. Guess what? This ain't the playoffs right now. You got to earn your spot in the playoffs. And the way you do that is by finding a way to get two points. Um, you know, from games that sometimes you shouldn't have been in the situation that they were last night. You can make that argument, and others 
maybe when you know things aren't going your way, and we've seen that as well. Overall, though, um, it was a wild, wild game last night, and you know I did feel sorry for David Riddick. Riddick, I mean, big save. Dave has a great fifty-five minutes. You know, a couple tips go in. I mean, it wasn't like he just all of a sudden stunk in the final five minutes. That's a good team, putting a lot of pucks on net, getting sticks on it. Um, And then, of course, you know, you have this big win, and, you know, he talks to the media afterwards, and, you know, most of the questions, understandably, were about what happened in those last five. But for Babe to get that win, Connor Hellbuck to get a rest before the team goes out on a very important road trip in the Central Division was... uh, was I think what a lot of Winnipeg fans needed. And as much as you don't like to see what happened, it certainly provided for some thrilling theater. And uh, from talking to people that were at the game last night, a real buzz in the crowd as they left 90s night, which also had a bunch of really, really neat um, parts to it that uh, I think made for a great, great night at the arena. I was sorry that I wasn't be able to be there in person. Yeah. I love I love the 90s, Huss. Uh, love 90s night. They had the scoreboard looking like, uh, you know, the old Winnipeg Arena scoreboard. The graphics were great. They had NHL 94 on the ice pregame. They're wearing these reverse retro, re- retro jerseys that they're 3-0 and in, and they're looking way better. I love seeing the home team wearing white. It's a nice, nice change-up. Uh, but very well done. And, you know, they hadn't had, like, we haven't had stuff to celebrate like 90s night where they're encouraging people to come dressed up and changing, you know, changing up the game presentation. And I definitely like that. I did enjoy the broadcast. We've talked uh, before with Sean Reynolds mentioning how he had his Fabio haircut in the oh. 90s. Oh. And they showed it on the broadcast. And I'll bring it up real quick. I had to tweet yeah. it out. Please, uh, we have a secondary why not question of the day associated with this picture. Please fire this up. Rennie from the 90s last night on um, the uh, Sportsnet broadcast of last night's game. I mean, again, if you're listening on the podcast and you missed it, this is another reason to join us, subscribe to the channel, and check out what we've got going on on YouTube because this picture, Remo, it, uh, he, he, he mentioned... The, like no one's ever self-glossed himself more than mentioning that he had hair and he sort of looked like Fabio. That was maybe the biggest humble brag of all time. But this picture of Rennie with the hair and the acoustic guitar in the background is, um, well, my why not question of the day is what song from the 90s was Rennie practicing on on that guitar at that moment in his life with that hair, please, <laughs> in the chat let us know or in the comments yeah he look when he referred to himself as having fabio hair i I agree it was a big humble brag i needed a picture to prove it and it does look looks pretty luscious here he did admit he didn't actually (laughs) great word great word that's exactly Uh, what it is luscious look he didn't (laughs) he admit that he didn't actually know how to play the guitar it was just there and first i want to say he's (laughs) playing the best part (laughs) yeah he's playing like Poison, like every rose has a thorn, but it's more mid nineties. So I was gonna go like Pearl Jam, Black, or uh, something from Nirvana, Unplugged. I see Wonderwall is a good one as well. So, uh, but a, what a picture! Oh, what I got by Sublime, guitarfulness says not sure is certainly written by Creed. So, uh, shout out to Sean Reynolds for posting uh, this one uh, on the TV broadcast. I had to take a picture, and I loved, I love the nineties. And also the music, too. You could hear the music uh, coming in. 
and they had a good warm-up playlist. I think it just switches it up, and I hope they continue to do 90s night. I'll have to go with my disc man uh, for the next one. Well, and uh, shout out. How many people in the chat were, were at the game and uh, got one of those uh, fanny packs to the first 5,000 fans that they gave out last night? I was regretting not that not being before I left, Reem, because I would have got that fanny pack and I would have repped the 90s Winnipeg Jets throughout my World Cup trip because it's something like this. A fanny pack can be very, very, uh, I mean, a functional, functional item. I, um, and now apparently a fashion statement as well. Well, you got a fanny pack. You got the, uh, you weren't able to get the one at the Jets, but you went to the CONCACAF yep. thing and you there got a CONCACAF. You need that. You can put your sunscreen in there, Huss. That's probably why you didn't have sunscreen. <laughs> you had nowhere to carry it. Now you got a fanny pack around the waist. You can have your sunscreen. Get no hat, excuses. Get a hat. Come on, you're, you're in the desert, Huss. Need, <laughs> need sunscreen. At least a hat if you're not going to have sunscreen. But uh, well, stay. Sorry, go ahead. No doubt about it. It is a dry heat. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the game last night, well, you know, I, I want to get your take on this on a couple things. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about how the game ended, but um, I mean, one thing that I, I, I think I'm either mentioned this or we'll hear later on in some of the interviews. Um, it was a little strange that guys that had been mainstays on the PK weren't out there for uh, the final number of minutes. And and the thing that stands out to me about that is, like, listen, if this is the old days of Maurice, I mean, yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's just, it almost seemed like the empty net was just an opportunity for some of the offensive guys to pad their stats and keep them happy. But I think that this team has a completely different mindset. I'm not sure that that matters, those freebie empty netters anymore. And we've seen before that in these high leverage situations, important times in the game, Rick Bonus has leaned on the third and especially the fourth line as well. And it was a little interesting to see that those guys weren't out there, certainly with the result that that was there. Um, and listen, for all the talk about Josh Morrissey, and he deserves it, all of it, Reem, um, there was Billy Hainala. Um, And, you know, listen, folks in the chat, what did you think of Billy last night? And Reem, I'll throw that to you. Um, you know, played sort of a somewhat sheltered role, third pairing along with Dylan Sandberg. Um, and, you know, had a couple moments that were a little iffy, but... I thought overall, from what I saw of the game, he did acquit himself quite well and certainly did nothing to lose confidence or have the coaches lose confidence in him. And now I think the big question is going to be, does he get a run right now, depending on what happens with Dylan DeMello? Um, like I'm not sure that there was a, he played so well that you're considering benching one of the five guys that are right now in the lineup, seemingly above him on the depth chart. Uh, but I don't think he did himself any disservice as well against a very good hockey team. Yes, uh, I agree. I think, look, I think he was fine. He played, but limited minutes. But hey, you only can play what you're given. I don't think he did anything too flashy, but played uh, his role. And I do wonder, will he see more ice time? We'll have to wait and see tomorrow. The team's uh, on their way to uh, Minneapolis against a nice divisional rival game. But um quitted himself well, I agree. And We'll have to wait and see what it means going forward. We'll have to see about this uh, DeMello injury. We'll probably have more updates tomorrow. We do have to give a shout-out to Mikey Asimont scoring his uh, yes. his first uh, NHL goal, crashing the net, grabbing a rebound. Uh, love to see that. He's playing with Jansen Harkins. Again, limited limited minutes, um, just under seven for them. But, hey, you need that fourth line to come in and chip in if you want to win games. And they have been doing that this season. And it was Murat who tweeted out, uh, yesterday during the game, 
that, you know, they did how they shortened the bench at the end, going with Dubois, Gagne, Shifley, Connor, Lowry, Wheeler, Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan, Schmidt. And he was saying that they got kind of tired there at the end for the final six minutes. I do wonder why you wouldn't go to Axel, uh, JF, and Saku Menelainen, guys who have killed penalties. Axel, you know he's got speed. Um, it's kind of puzzling because you've just it just seems to go against the way they've done things all season where they have thrown those guys out in crucial minutes. So um, it almost bit, you know, bit them last night, but they're able to overcome it in overtime. Yeah. And listen, I mean, God knows. I mean, I'm so happy with where this team is right now and the changes that we've seen and everything that Rick bonus has done. Um, all I'll say is that, you know, I think if this team is, you know, up in the final minute, uh, I think that they should have confidence, especially in a guy like David Gustafson, that he can be out there. I mean, there's a reason why you entrust him with the penalty killing role um, that he's done. And I think, you know, at five on five, he's done a great job so far. So player like that can do that. All that being said, easy to sort of nitpick. And those are something that people were talking about. We'll talk about it here. Uh, but overall, I mean, a lot of really good things that happened with the Winnipeg Jets last night. Tell you what, Remo, let's get to a couple bones clips if we can, before we bring in Trevor Kidd. Uh, I want to get to number one. And then number six, because these are a couple of things that we will talk about both with Mike and Trevor Kidd a little later on. If you want to tee up, uh, tee up uh, number one, um, Rick Bonus after the game talked about his team's play in the first 55 minutes and then what happened in the final five that forced them to a win in thrilling fashion with Josh Morrissey's OT winner. Yeah, we were. That was outstanding. Didn't give up. Didn't give up anything. No chances, uh, outside shots, slot coverage was good, back pressure was good, gap was good. Uh, no, it was outstanding hockey. Your penalty kill's been so good, and I guess a six-on-five is like a shorthanded situation, albeit with two extra guys on the ice than usual, but is there anything you can identify right off the hop that maybe went so, well, yeah, so listen, fast? Listen, they're a shot volume team, and you got a guy like Burn, and you know he's going to get it and shoot it, so... They had a couple tips, like there's not much you can do sometimes. Sometimes you just tip your hat to the opposition. Those are good shots and those are good tips. And there's six on five, you're going to have somebody open around the net. Uh, so it is like a penalty kill. Um, I, I guess if I had one major complaint is that we had the puck and we had an empty net and we had a chance to bury, bury it, put it in the empty net and put this thing to sleep. We were, we were too casual with the puck. And, and that gave them, you know, all of a sudden they're back in their zone. So the first goal and the second are like, okay, that's hockey. They shoot the tips under the bar. They're like, okay, you got to live with that. But the third one, when we should have put that puck in the empty net, then, then that's on us. Um, so we'll just, we'll figure that out. All right. So there's uh, Rick Bonus on uh, the game, the first 55, the second 55. But this is what I wanted to play. And we're going to talk about this both with uh, Trevor and with Mike. Um, he talked about, this is a question from Sean Reynolds and, um, it was when he was talking about asking about Josh Morrissey's season so far and, um, you know, the increased offense they've seen from number 44, a really interesting, um, answer from Rick bonus that dates back to the summer when he took over the job. Well, I, when Josh and I were talking over the summer, I mentioned to him that, listen, I remember coming in here with Dallas and coaching against you, and then part of our pregame was focused on Josh Morrissey. 
because he was their best defenseman. And I, we talked about that. And I said, "That's what we need from you. It's there. We're gonna and we're gonna get it out from you. You've got the green light. I want you. I want you a lot more involved in the offense. I want you skating. You got everything. So I want him at the end of the season. And this is what I told him was that when there's a discussion of of, of who the top ten D are for the Norris Trophy voting, I want to see his name in there. And he's taking great pride in that. All right. There's uh, Rick Bonus. Some really interesting comments on Josh Morrissey. And a uh, man is Josh coming through right now for Rick and his team right now. And uh, we'll talk about that with Trevor Kidd in just a minute. Hey, before we do that, thanks to everyone that has sent in a nomination for a community unsung hero. If, you, if you've missed it, we are so excited to be working with Josh Morrissey, our friends at Wallace and Wallace and the dream factory on uh, this unsung hero program. And, you know, Josh, you know, ambassador for the dream factory um, and uh, close with our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Uh, we've all teamed up to sort of recognize some of the community heroes that don't get that recognition or the accolades that they probably deserve because they selflessly go about benefiting and helping our community every single day. Community volunteers, people that are working with charities um, regularly, people that are just doing good deeds in and around Winnipeg and in Manitoba. We want to hear from you. And all you need to do is send us an email at unsunghero at winnipegsports.com. What we're going to do is, you know, spread a bit of this good cheer, especially as we get into the holidays, talking about some of these things that people are doing uh, in and around the community. And the great thing is one of the unsung hero nominees will be randomly selected at the end of every month and win an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets. Even better yet, Wallace and Wallace is going to donate $500 in the nominee, uh, the person that nominated our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners name to the Dream Factory. And that is going to be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey. So again, unsung hero at winnipegsports.com. Let's hear your stories of people doing good in our community. And uh, we, along with Josh and Margot and the, and uh, Wallace and Wallace, um, we'll be helping out the Dream Factory in the same time. And if you go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash links, you can also find a link where if you'd like to personally help out and support this program and the Dream Factory, you can find out more about it there as well as make a donation. Huge thanks to Wallace and Wallace for jumping on board with that. Um, hey, I, the other thing I can't wait about getting back is the fact that it is going to be Marbles Month in December thanks to Consolidated Supply. 12 days of marbles and the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marbles Tournament of Champions brought to you by Consolidated Supply is coming up next month. We'll have qualifying races for 12 days. We'll also have an opportunity to qualify from Facebook and Instagram. And then the final day of 2022, our final act on WST, we'll have the biggest marble race, the highest stakes marble race ever because Consolidated Supply is donating a pair of bomber season tickets for the winning marble in that race. So join us every day live on YouTube. And again, pay attention to the social channels for your chance to enter. And folks, check out what Consolidated Supply has going on. Your first choice for golf, irrigation, golf carts, artificial turf, hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, landscaping, and small engine and small engine parts. Check them out. Pop in and see them. They're open to the public. 1395 Niagara Road, Niagara Road East. 
and uh, their brand new website's relaunched. You can find out everything that Consolidated Supply has going on online at cte.ca. And uh, I do want to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market as well. Don't forget, everyone, November is Men's Health Month, and choosing the right natural products are key. Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus from Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. They've got great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products as well. And they're a great family-owned company, owned and operated right here in the city since 1936. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up. Some World Cup talk with Steven Sandor. But right now, let's welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk our good friend, Trevor Kidd. Kidder, it is so great to have you on the program. How are you? How's it going, man? Well, you're doing way better than me and just learning that... uh, you're in my dream place right now, watching some World Cup soccer. I am so uh, jealous, envious. Uh, that is so cool. Yeah, I've had quite the day. Um, you know, we got to downtown Doha. Um, you know, kicked off uh, it with uh, hitting to the Concacaf Cafe. I was so sour that I was missing fanny pack night last night, but luckily <laughs> ended up getting a Concacaf. They gave us these. I'm not sure because Canada are the kings of Concacaf right now. I did remind some people of that while we were there. Um, or guy like guy like you, huh? So you wear it over your shoulder, though, not around your waist, right? No, 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 no. Come on, yeah. come on. I'm I, I'm old school. Jake, who I'm with, geez, more. Yeah, younger guys. Yeah, it was kind of sort of like the Merce. No, no. I went straight up, dad, uh, dad operation with it around. Love it. We'll Love have it. it tomorrow. Obviously, we want to talk about the game last night as well as the Winnipeg Jets post game show, aka Sarah Orleski's roast of Trevor Kidd. Uh, but uh, <laughs> listen, that was some great stuff. But listen, just quickly, I know, and people might not know this. I mean, your family, your daughters, huge soccer players. Uh, over the years, we always would talk off air when you were coming in to do games about soccer. And uh, I know you're fired up for the World Cup. And man, can you believe it? Canada, one CONCACAF in the World Cup right now, qualified for it. And Tomorrow, we got Belgium on the world stage. Uh, I know you're ready to go for it. So cool. Can't wait. We'll be having it on here in the office. Uh, yeah, I mean, my three daughters woke up this morning. Uh, my 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 oldest, who's, you know, I got three daughters, went down south and all played NCAA uh, Division One soccer. And but my oldest is the true fan. And I tell you, boy, I woke up this morning. I'm like, when did you send this message? 5.15 a.m. Are you kidding me? And she said, Dad, you won't even believe Argentina had three barely offside goals. The Saudi scored two. It's over. This is an upset. And uh, you know what? Uh, so cool. I love the fans. I mean, I know there's a lot of political stuff in the background here with, with the World Cup. But uh, now that the games are going, just to see the the chanting and the singing and the jerseys and just how much fun the fans are having is so cool. And hey, listen, we get a chance to be fans as Canadians tomorrow. And to see Herdman talking about the group, how fit they are, they're healthy, they're ready to go. Just to watch that game tomorrow. And I've been kind of telling even our group here in the office, uh, you know, how are they going to play? Are they going to play defensive for 60 and then throw a bunch of fresh legs on for the last 30? Like, how how are they going to, you know, try and manage this Belgian squad? So uh, can't wait for it to start. 
Well, it is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. We're going to talk about it with Steven Sander later on in the program, get a bit of a tee up of uh, Group F, as well as tomorrow's game against uh, Belgium. And, you know, the start to the tournament. I mean, that crazy mm. upset today of Saudi Arabia over Argentina, Leo Messi, and a great uh, start for England as well. Uh, but let's get to it. Last night, I sort of joked about the uh, the fun that Sarah had. I mean, we've always talked about some of your incredible fashion on and off the ice during the <laughs> career. But uh, tell you what, 90s night, I mean, watching it from afar, um, it really did seem like a really, really well done. I mean, the Jets game production did a great job of all the things that we remember from the 90s. And then we had one hell of a hockey game. Um, uh, from your perspective, where you were sitting, uh, what did you make of uh, the bit of a roller coaster uh, that the Winnipeg Jets went through and still able to um, get the job done in OT and get a huge two points against a very good hockey team? Right. You don't ask Cal, right? And uh, certainly the Winnipeg Jets. And you know what, Huss? It really wasn't much of a roller coaster. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets played well for nearly, well, and, and Coach Bonus talked about it after the game. Uh, for 55 minutes, that was like no one would have predicted uh, that this game would have ended up tied. Yeah, it was um, the big drop at the end of the ride. The last five minutes, I guess that was <laughs> it, right? And, um, you know, with that being said, you got to give Carolina some credit. And I said this to uh, Sarah early in the first period. If you were to predict one way Carolina was going to get back into that hockey game, it would have been a point shot. Because that is one thing. Yeah, Caroline has a lot of speed. They're a little bit of a smaller team. But when you watch that hockey club, they spend a lot of time below the face-off tops and even a little bit more time below the goal line with the intentions of putting the puck back to the point. And the amount of point shots, defensemen shooting, looking for traffic, mm -hmm. looking for the redirect, it was almost a matter of time throughout the first, second, even third period up until that last five minutes. Geez, I can't believe Carolina hasn't got some sort of bounce here in front of the net. And they you got to give them credit. They stuck with their game plan and still continuing to do that. Pulled their goalie. Now, listen, they pulled their goalie with five minutes remaining in that hockey game last night. And they got one, then they got two, and then they got a third. So... Um, but this new Winnipeg Jet uh, team, you know, the emotions, uh, the identity, this new culture everyone's talking about, uh, you know what, it didn't really seem to phase them. They took it into OT, and boy, Josh Morrissey is having one unbelievable start to the year here and how he's playing and gets a breakaway and, and, and finishes it. So uh, a lot of fun. This team is finding certainly some different ways to win, um, but, you know, I look at it, they're, uh, you know, when you're watching hockey and you know what you're watching to see again, because they're, you look at it they're you know, for me, the, the, the guys that are difference makers and we've seen personnel uh, change in that, you know, that fourth line, that third line Huss, but the core group has not changed. Uh, you know, so it, my biggest concern going a year, like this is the status quo. This is the same role. Like, how is this going to be any different than the last four years, but to watch the structure being played out, the changes in that structure, the you know, what they're doing away from the puck, how they're competing, how they're sticking up for one another. Uh, considering, in my opinion, there really wasn't a personnel change coming into this year, this team is a lot different and fun to watch. Well, I, it's great point. And I mean, certainly those have been topics that we've been hammering on uh, WST for, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the last number of weeks as we've seen the start to the season and everyone, okay, let's see a little bit more. Right. Well, we're just about to get to American Thanksgiving and we know where the Jets right. are and we know what that usually means. Well, let's focus in. I mean, I'm really interested in your perspective, big picture, but also last night. I mean, 
obviously there was the last five minutes with the goalie pulled and Mm -hmm. you know, that was part, but what did you see in the first 55 minutes that you've seen earlier this season um, that has made the jets as successful as they've been so far this year in the standings? Well, I mean, we start to me, in my opinion, start in the nets right now. And I think Connor Helbeck didn't play last night and he had the rest, Uh, you know, talk about the jet schedule is going to be nuts. So here for the remainder of November and, December, January, almost playing every second night. So he gets the rest last night. He's returned to Vesna type form. Riddick uh, plays last night. Uh, big save, Dave. That chant toss was uh, in the building in the second period. And I was like, oh boy, this is like, uh, uh, you know, shutout type material. You know, the chat start, starts chanting big save, Dave. But he did have a couple big saves. And I talked about this in the post game of Sarah there. Uh, last night, uh, the start of the first period, uh, Sebastian Ajo basically had two breakaway opportunities and Riddick was there to make big stops on both of them to start the second period. He had a couple other big ones. And you know how important uh, the start and end of a period can be in a hockey game. So he was right there. The defense, again, we mentioned Josh Morrissey. Um, how this group now from the back end and certainly Josh Morris is reaping the benefits from this and putting a ton of points on, but you're seeing Brendan Dillon playing below the goal line. You're seeing Schmidt playing below the goal line, uh, Pionk playing below the goal line. And it, you know, the first few games you watch this, you're like, geez, I haven't seen this since Dustin Bufflin was in town. He was the only guy, <laughs> the last guy of recent memory that would play below the top of the circles, never mind the goal line in the offensive zone. So it's a lot of fun to see how the defenders are, are being a part of that rush and, and really hasn't changed. And I look for that uh, every game, how uh, the Winnipeg Jets uh, D-man are being a part of the rush, being a part of the offense. And and with that, how they're defending, right? I think that's game in, game out. Uh, you know, you talk about defending in general, Huss. I mean, you know, you always heard for years and years and years, hold the blue line, right? You always want to hold your defensive blue line. That's where you look for the big stops, if you can make that happen at the red line, geez, all the power to you. But to watch the Winnipeg Jets now try and defend the offensive blue line and how they're playing with proper support. Again, when you know what you're watching, you're like, wow, this is crazy. They're trying to turn the puck over at the offensive blue line. How demoralizing that is for the opposition when they can't gain, never mind the red line or their offensive blue line, they're trying to get out of their own end. So, there's certain components like that. I mentioned the support, uh, you know, last night, uh, you know, to see the fourth line had it had a great, uh, you know, you want your fourth liners to obviously contribute and not give away momentum in a hockey game. Johnson Harkins comes back last night after being out for a little bit, had a couple great shifts in the first period. You saw Gustafson in the second period, get that breakaway with uh, Esamont uh, putting it in the back of the net. So, uh, you know, there's various components last night. What I think I like, and I know it didn't go well against the Penguins on Saturday night, but they're they're playing in these hockey games where the shot clock is not, you know, you go back the last couple of years, you get into the third period, the shot clock is, you know, you're pushing 40 shots against, right? Connor Hellebuck has been pressed and, and, and put into odd man situations and grade A opportunities and chances. What I really like here now, and you know, you start again looking at the second period, looking to, into the third, is the shot clock total is you know eighteen twenty, uh, twenty two, you know twenty five, and to me, and I've said this a few nights, like if the Winnipeg Jets can continue playing this way defensively, uh, staying in hockey games, competing, having this confidence, 
at the end of the night, allowing you know anywhere from 28 to 35 shots with the goaltending that they have, they have an opportunity to win every hockey game. You know, it's uh, you know, there's a lot to get to there. I mean, first of all, I have to give uh, Brandon Ruiki credit who came on last week and uh, mentioned that Josh Morrissey was playing like Josh Norrissey. And uh, I tell you what, he uh, he really will be in, you know, the conversation. Rick Bonus mentioned that with a fascinating answer afterwards saying that that was very it, interesting. Hey, huh? it, it, it really was. Yeah. And, and and, you know, uh, I mean, listen, we'll get to some of the other things you mentioned, but just strictly on Morrissey and the defense. Um, you know, it's interesting because the defense have been so much more aggressive and bonus has wanted them to play that way. But at the same time, they've been able to limit shots, limit shot quality and be a better defensive team. Mm. And I mean, you got to give credit to the coaching staff and what Rick bonus is doing. I'm interested in your perspective. I mean, put yourself in Connor Hellebuck's shoes or last night in big save Dave's shoes. I mean, what that does for a goaltender mm-hmm. for a team that, you know, has a ton of talent, but just wasn't doing things the right way and it was costing them. How much of a boost is that to the guys that are the last line of defense? And how much does the rest of the team deserve credit for the brilliant well, start that Hellebuck's had and the good results for Dave as well? Well, and for those those listeners to, to Morrissey, the, you know, the comment that uh, Coach Bonus mentioned was that uh, it was a summer conversation with Josh Morrissey and mentioning that, uh, you know, him visiting, being a Dallas Stars coach, uh, how Josh was such a big part of their game plan and, and what to do against him and, you know, how he wanted Josh Morrissey to get back to being that big difference maker and wanting to be in the conversation, at least get in the top 10 for Norris Trophy uh, voting. And here's Josh Morrissey. I mean, never mind top 10. He's got to be top three right now in, in that conversation. So it was a really cool kind of insider uh, moment there last night. But, you know, it, it, again, the Jets defense and 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 defending you have to go back and I you know make the comparison for for all of us I mean I think there was times we were so used to you look at the the back end you had Tyler Myers you had Dustin Bufflin you had this big group of uh, uh of players on the back end that were you know big and strong and pillars for the Winnipeg Jets and to some degree the the, the back end got smaller right and you know you look at it now with with Dylan arguably being the the, the big guy on campus when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets backhand that, yeah, you don't necessarily have that size, but I think what has been fun to watch here is what, when you apply some structure and defending as a group, as a five man unit, what that can do. And boy, you're seeing it right now. And that's just not, you know, in front of the blue paint. That's, you know, that's having clean breakouts. That's making tape to tape passes. That's not turning the puck over uh, at the blue lines or in the neutral zone. Uh, that's you're seeing. I mentioned that defending at, at the blue line, trying to turn the puck over at, at, at different parts of the ice versus, as I mentioned, trying to hold up at the blue line or worst case, trying to keep the top of the circles in your defensive zone. So the the amount of and I think this has to go and you can't understate it. Everyone that I talk to uh, talks about how that dressing room has changed this year. Um, you know, even media going in there, how there's, you know, just everything is so much more uh, inclusive. And I really think that is the start. Uh, that's where you begin with, with this team and how they're playing. And you know, I think you could look at it from an offensive perspective. But I think when you talk about defending, that is a culture, that is an identity. It's not one person. It's not a group of six uh, defensemen. It is it, it, 
the best defending teams in the National Hockey League do it as a do it as a unit, right? They do it as a five man unit and there's a whole bunch of things that have to play into that that's what you're doing away from that puck that's how you're competing to get back into the play even look at yesterday i mentioned uh sebastian Ajo in the first period the second partial breakaway he has when you watch that second uh breakaway he's rushed a little bit doesn't get all of it and then you see there's a winnipeg jet player that literally crashes into the net and takes it off its mooring that's really Hanalock trying to get back into that play so aggressively and so hard that he smashes into his own net and takes it right off the moorings. Like this is the effort. This is the intensity. This is the culture. This is the identity. And I mean, that's, that's a young guy trying to make a difference there, but it's no different than seeing Kyle Connor do that to see Mark, uh, to see Shifley 55 doing that to see, uh, you know, some of these younger guys uh, uh, partaking in that uh, uh, having your leadership and your veteran group, uh, you know, leading by example in that regard, uh, you have to start with that when it comes to how this team is playing defensively. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Trevor, because I did want to ask you. I mean, you're as good of a person to, to ask as this as anyone. You've been in a lot of dressing rooms. You've played with a lot of coaches. You've seen coaching changes. Um, and, you know, we sort of joked on the program going in that with the lack of player movement, like, right. said, hey, you know what, if you think the Jets are going to make the playoffs, you know, put a sprinkle on Rick Bonus for the Jack Adams right now, because oh, is he a miracle worker? Right. I was in that I mean, same camp. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. And, and I'm completely with you. I mean, I think this team, and we heard it at the end of last year. I mean, there was a lot of frustrated guys. Toxic. Yes. Um, and listen, you know what? I mean, the, the the decision he made before training camp even started, the announcement that Blake Wheeler was no longer the captain, they weren't going with the captain, was something that I think was necessary. And I'll give Blake a lot of credit for the way mm-hmm. he has sort of handled, you know, a dish of humble pie and been a great mm-hmm. teammate and continue mm-hmm. to do what he can do going forward. But, I mean, it really is amazing what that has done to sort of lift people up. Things that many of us talked about last year that seemed to be, necessary to get this team playing as a real team again but i'm not sure anyone could have imagined that it could have gone as well as it has so far and certainly bones deserves a lot of credit but also the guys that were given that opportunity stepping up and playing and i mean i'll say this about mark shifley i mean i end up i mean when i heard what he was talking and what he had to say at the end of last season i was positive that that was it for mark shifley and they would be you know they would be making a change within personnel they made a change he seems like an entirely different player this year and i think rick bonus deserves a lot of credit but also so does he i think for accepting the fact that last year wasn't good enough and he wasn't being i think fair to himself um and the greatness that he can achieve with whatever headspace that they were back in right now and um you know so much of this really is mental because we've talked for a long time Mm -hmm. that the talent has been there now we're sort of seeing it and night after night. And it's so important to get the results as well um, because it sort of reinforces these sort of things. And now you see some real positive momentum right now for a team that <laughs> seems to like legitimately enjoy playing with each other or each other. And uh, it's showing in the standings. Right. And I'm not sure if you guys probably have shown this and if not, it, it's very, they have this, um, Almost like this. I, I I don't even know how you put it. Their mission statement, I guess. Yes. Uh, and it is it is us. I, I'm sure you've spoken. Have you spoken about this on the? Like, oh is, yeah. It is deep. It is how they came up with this internally. 
it, it, it's awesome. And I mean, and it, every it, guy it, signed it as well. I mean, right. it's literally like a contract. I mean, did you ever have anything like never. that during your playing career? Never, never. And again, whether I, I, I'm not sure if they, if, and I've asked a few questions and, and no one seems uh, has given me the answer. Like, did you have a, some sort of psychologist come in there and, and help the group out in this regard? Because again, it, I think the first one is, is process and there's a whole breakdown of process uh, it's integrity, which is 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 important. That's the second one, and then the third one is uh, what is it? It's communication, and those are the three pillars that they have. And certainly, but uh, when you look at uh, the inner workings of each of those categories that I mentioned, that's really like you step back and you're like, whoa, like hold on a second, this is this is different. And and as I mentioned, it's very very deep from a sports team perspective. Uh, to hear this type of language, um, and as you mentioned, each uh, player uh, had a hand in it. Uh, whether you be a a guy that has ten games under your belt or or pushing a thousand, uh, again, that uh, being inclusive, uh, um, just all of it. I'm I'm intrigued by uh, that, and 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 again, I go back to the culture and everything else, uh, this identity that they have, certainly the structure and the coaching. Um, and if you're if you know what you're watching when you watch hockey, you can see those three areas that are drastically, distinctively different uh, uh, in comparison to last year. But yeah, I mean, you have to start with the culture again, as I mentioned. Uh, it's uh, it's fun to watch a group that is playing like that for each other because we haven't seen that uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, you mentioned the end of last year was like, okay, this is it. Like they're going to have to. Implode. It boiled over. It boiled right. over at that time. We heard it from a number exactly. of players, and you know, listen. I mean, again, I wasn't. You know, I'm not in the room. And last couple of years, nobody was in the room. Um, but if you're around and pay a close enough attention, it was mm-hmm. pretty clear for a long nasty. time that it seemed like there was tears of players on the team. And uh, now everyone's a Winnipeg Jet. Everyone is working for the same purpose right now, and they're doing it together. And the collective sum of the parts is much greater. And I would I would argue that the sum of the parts was less than the individual parts last year. And you know, we're seeing it right now in the standings. As far as last night's go, the one thing I'll say about Bones, and there hasn't been much to pick, and I don't spend a lot of time doing this, but the way the game kind of unraveled in the final five minutes, what was interesting is that, um, you know, a lot of the guys, and especially I'll bring the fourth line out. I mean, David Gustin's been phenomenal penalty killing defensively this year. Yes, Um, I mean, they they shortened the bench last night without those guys, and I do wonder if... You know, Rick went and looked back, I mean, kind of thinking, and maybe that's a, le- a learning lesson for the guys that he actually has in there, um, because I'll be honest, I mean, if I'm trying to, you know, get out of 45 seconds, I- I'll, me personally, I'd rather have some of the guys that are more defensively minded <laughs> than maybe 55 or 81 on the ice. Now, listen, you want to score an empty night goal and completely ice it. I sort of get that as well. But um, what did you think of the way the bench was shortened last night? And I mean, the way things did unravel in those final five minutes. You know what? The, the only thing I would say about the bench shortening is they have a tough schedule coming up here, us. Uh, and they start playing games every second night going forward. And we know what points mean at this time of year. And you mentioned right at the get-go there, Thanksgiving and, and the American version of that and, and teams that are in the playoff picture. So, you know, having the schedule that they've had, having two points here to be had, uh, I look at it more that way. 
Uh, I don't disagree that, you know, let's get in towards the end of November here and you get into this schedule playing every second night, you're going to have to lean on these. You're going to have to play, uh, you know, your third line. You're going to have to, you know, your fourth line is going to have to be pushing some minutes here because their schedule is not so, as I mentioned, for the next two and a half months. I don't mind that move yesterday considering, again, the schedule. Um, you touched on uh, Gustafson, and I agree. Uh, that line, I mentioned Jansen Harkins uh uh, certainly having a decent game. Uh, you saw Gustafson 5-on-5 having that breakaway. Uh, uh, Isamont, uh, you know, putting in the back of the net off to the rebound. But I like, uh, you know, part of a fourth line and finding a role and finding more minutes in a lineup is what you can usually do on specialty teams and specifically uh, the penalty kill. And I, Gustafson had a great, uh, it was in the second period, I believe, uh, that he had a great penalty kill uh, breaking up some plays, pressuring some uh, uh, guys along the boards and getting the clears more importantly, right? And then uh, some great board work battle where you saw Ajo finally take a hooking penalty to uh, uh, negate uh, Carolina's power play and make it a four-on-four. Four. So great work uh, you mentioned. I, Augustin had a nice little game. And I think we'll uh, you know take away what happened uh, towards the end of that game with the fourth line, not getting a whole bunch of minutes Uh you know, again, as we get into this schedule here where it's a lot more heavier, uh, that fourth line will, uh, will, will I think uh, you'll look to see them play a little bit more than what they did last night. Well, and, and the, the reason why I bring it up, why it was to me a little surprising is because one of the things that I've loved so far this year, and I think those players have earned it, is that Rick Bonus has played those guys in high leverage situations yeah. throughout the season. And I mean, I guess it's three nothing or you got a two goal lead late with the empty net. Maybe that's not as high leverage as it's been before, but it got that way pretty darn quick. Um, but of course, we all saw what happened in overtime. A brilliant pass by Pierre-Luc Dubois to find Josh Morrissey all alone and uh, two points in the back. And uh, as, as uh, Josh said afterwards, uh, when getting the jacket in the locker room, uh, let's go on a little uh, road trip through the central division with some big divisional <laughs> games going forward. Trev, right. I, I got to ask you quickly about Philly Hanela. Uh, you know, he's been waiting for his opportunity. He got mm -hmm. it last night. What did you think uh, from him in uh, playing in that third line role with uh, what 12, 13 minutes of ice time? How did he acquit himself in your eyes? No, he did well. I mean, this is, you know, the, the expectations of Billy Hanela are, are, are so high and it's, it's tough for him because, you know, as a young guy, you want to go in there and to some degree, you want to be unnoticeable, like not make a mistake, get through this game and not be a factor negatively, right? But for him, everybody's looking for the opposite. How can Billy be a difference maker? What can he do to provide some sort of spark, much like Josh Morrissey is doing? Because he has a similar type mindset. He has a similar type offensive uh, type mind. So it's a tough spot for him to be in because everybody's looking for the offensive part of his game whenever he plays. And, you know, again, at some point, he's going to have to kind of spread his wings and hopefully, you know, find that confidence to find that offensive game. Certainly Josh Morris, he has it now, but he's got tons of, he's got a few years underneath his, his belt and, 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 and knowing the reads and having the experience to, you know, when should I join the rush or maybe one, I shouldn't join the rush. And the last thing right now, Billy Hanel wants to do is pull a Josh Morrissey and join the rush, get caught, not realizing he doesn't have the support. And that thing goes back the other way and it ends up in the back of his net. So uh, tough. Then, you know, last night, when you, again, if you look at it from not making a mistake, playing a real sound game defensively, 
Billy Hanlon did exactly what we'd all want him to do. But there's this other component that he brings to the table that I think everyone's just looking for him to, you know, spread his wings here eventually on. Trevor, I got to tell you, it was so much fun uh, watching you with Sarah last night, and it is great to have you back on the program. I got to tell you, I mean, we had most of our chats off air back at the old station, right, but um, right. there's few people I enjoy chopping it up with more than you, and this has been uh, great. Hey, on the way out, give us a little prediction for Canada tomorrow, oh, Belgium man. overall. Uh, what are your, what are your hopes and expectations for the boys when they uh, get going uh, here at the World Cup? Oh, man, this is tough. I mean, I just, there's so much anticipation of the game. I just hope this game goes deep, right? The longer, you know, if they can get this sucker into the second half, um, who knows what can happen? It'll be interesting. I like, you know, we saw some of those games leading up to, they have a bit of it. I just, I, I, I love watching them. They have a bit of a hockey mentality to them. Like they're chippy. They don't mind mixing it up. And so I look forward get to it. balls in deep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm looking forward to seeing what type of attitude they bring on this big stage and if they can get to that type of chippiness and in game and a little, there's a little bit of snarl in how they play. Um, the attitude, uh, again, at the end of the day, can they get this thing into the second half? And if they get it into that half, that second half I mentioned, uh, yeah, hey, you never know. Listen, this has been so much fun. Hopefully we can do this again soon. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on with us. This is a great chat. Enjoy the World Cup, my friend. Enjoy this you next too. Jets road trip. And uh, let's do this again soon, pal. Take yeah, care. Yeah, for sure, my man. Absolutely. Man, what a great conversation with Trevor Kidd. So much fun having him back on the program. And great to hear him back covering the Winnipeg Jets, both uh, doing pre and post activities with CJOB. And, of course, being an occasional guest of Sarah Orleski who did somewhat roast him last night for 90s night. But um, Trev's the best, and that was a great conversation. We're going to keep the Jets talk coming. Mike McIntyre joining us in just a second from the Twin Cities. Uh, before that, don't forget, why not question of the day? Um, you know, what you thought about last night's game, the first 55, the last five of regulation, and what your takeaway was that the Winnipeg Jets were able to get it done. Hit us up in the comments. Of course, not Autocorp, great sponsors of ours since day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, a neat place to start any search for a new vehicle or if you're considering upgrading your vehicle. Speaking of upgrading, if you're thinking about selling your vehicle, the not experts are the consignment experts here in Winnipeg. They'll help you take all the hassle of selling your vehicle out get the best price possibly for it, and, of course, also help you get into the new car of your dreams. Why not get into the, uh, the car you've always wanted with the help of the Not team at a great price at Not Autocorp? And, folks, don't forget with winter here, if you haven't yet got your winter tires on, what are you waiting for? Winter tire specials and the MPI payment plan now at Not. Why not get safe winter tires and pay later at Not Autocorp? Find them. Online at not.ca or pop down and see him in person at Waverly and McGilvery and tell him your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Um, folks, I'm sure I'm getting a few comments in the chat about this nice Canada shirt I've got. Are you ready for Canada in the World Cup? Get the red on. And uh, man, Royal Sports has the best selection I've seen anywhere of Team Canada gear for the World Cup. Alfonso Davies jerseys, Estacchio, Jonathan David, and more. Hoodies, toques, scarves, everything you need to show your national pride as Canada returns to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. And with the holidays just around the corner, um, you can pretty much bang off 
all of your holiday shopping for the sports fans in your life at Royal Sports. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, uh, bomber gear, and more. Blue Jays, Raptors, NFL, you name it. And, of course, Royal is the undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champ of all things hockey as well. Family-owned for over 40 years. Pop by C. Gerald Gregg and their great staff, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Hey, holidays coming up, a new year just around the corner. Guys, thinking about maybe upgrading that wardrobe you've been putting off? Well, don't wait any longer. Pop on down and see Andrew and the gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street for the new wardrobe for the new you. Custom suits beginning at just $400. The entire process, so quick and easy. Pop in, quick few measurements, decide your color, fabrics, pattern, style, and a few weeks later, you've got a beautiful new suit from F Apparel. And hey, if you are in a wedding party or thinking about getting married and getting some of the fellas in to uh, stand up for you. Do not waste your money renting tuxes for your big day. Go to F Apparel, get custom suits for all the guys. And right now, if you book in and get measured by the end of November, everyone in the wedding party will get 10% off and a free shirt Savings of about $130 per person. Pop on down to F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. Find out more information or book an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And, of course, we're going to be talking Jets. We will have some World Cup talk later on. But tomorrow's the big day, folks. Remo will be holding it down. I'm going to be at the stadium here in Doha watching Canada return to the World Cup against Belgium. If you're in town and want a great atmosphere to watch the game, join Boston Pizza and the Winnipeg Youth Soccer Association for the official Canada World Cup viewing party 1 o'clock tomorrow at BP Caniston. Wear your Canada red and chow down on gourmet pizza, pints, and Caesars on special and be entered to win awesome Team Canada jerseys from Royal Sports at every BP location and a BP pizza party for your soccer team. Every BP will have World Cup games cranked on their big screens and opening early for all Team Canada games. And BP Keniston, St. Vital, and Pemina will be serving the delicious new BP brunch menu for Canada's morning games Sunday at 10 a.m. against Croatia and next Thursday, 9 a.m. against Morocco. Bring the crew and cheer Team Canada at the World Cup at Boston Pizza. All right, let's welcome in Mike McIntyre. I just saw Mike's tweet. We are about 7,000 kilometers apart, and yet my connection on Wi-Fi in Doha is, in fact, better than my Ethernet at my place in Winnipeg. Mike joins us from the Twin Cities as the Jets set, get set to begin a road trip tomorrow against the division rival Minnesota Wild. Mike, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Hots. You know, I, I was scanning Twitter a little bit, and there was a lot of concern for your uh your sunburn. Uh, I, I must say, though, seeing you now, kind of in the in the virtual flesh, you look a little a little whiter than I uh, than I thought. Because some of those videos on Twitter, you were looking a little uh, a little red. You were, you looked like you were running hot. So I'm glad to see that maybe it was more of an optical illusion than uh, you turning into a tomato before our very eyes here. Yeah, I have been getting roasted figuratively and literally by uh, everyone in the chat today for that. 
Uh, I will admit, uh, I maybe did not plan that out. And Jake, who I'm here with from Coolbet, did mention at some point sunscreen, and it never really dawned upon me. I mean, uh, listen, it was an amateur move. What am I going to say? I did it, but it wasn't that bad. And uh, I'm actually feeling great. And honestly, hard not to with the excitement around here. I mean, I know there's a lot of, you know, cultural and political differences, uh, you know, about this event. But once it actually gets going and you're here and seeing people from all around the world getting together for such a special event, it's uh, it's a real privilege to be here. And I got to tell you, I cannot wait for this game tomorrow. What a great sports day, oh. uh, you know, for, for Winnipeg fans. I mean, if you're able to blow off the afternoon, um, you know, you watch Canada at one o'clock and then, Big hockey game for the Winnipeg Jets against the Minnesota Wild, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, just quickly, just thoughts. I mean, how dialed in are you on that Canada returning to the World Cup? Are you excited? Are you going to be following it uh, despite being on the road with the team? Absolutely. I'm I'm firmly on the bandwagon. I must admit, soccer hoodie is not uh, it's not at the the top of my list in terms of sports, but um, I, you know, I'm a I'm a sports fan, so. How can you not get swept up in uh, what the Canadian men accomplish just qualifying for the World Cup? So absolutely, I'll be uh, I'll be finding a spot to tune in uh, tomorrow afternoon here in uh, in St. Paul. Uh, in between, it works out kind of nice in between the Jets morning skate and uh, the 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time puck drop tomorrow. You know, Haas, it might be too soon for me to bring this up, but talk about what a great sports day tomorrow is with with Canada playing and and the Jets there also could have been a parade in Winnipeg perhaps tomorrow <laughs> I I don't you know I I know the wound the wound is still fresh uh... but imagine imagine if, if we if there could have been a parade on top of all that uh probably would have been Wednesday would have been about the day I would think that it might have happened so uh, unfortunately that uh, is off the uh, is off the bingo card, but um, yeah, it'll be a great sports day nonetheless. Hey, just quickly before we get to the yeah. Jets, I mean, uh, yesterday was pretty much our bomber memorial for the season. Yes. I've spent some more time thinking about it. And listen, of course, everyone was really disappointed. Um, but you know, when you look back, I mean, we've covered and been you know involved in Winnipeg sports for a long time. When you think about the 29 years that preceded this run by the Bombers. Uh, it made the 2019 Grey Cup that much more special, doing it again last year, uh, taking it to another level, and then the 15-3 and three season and being so close to a three-peat, I think made it more heartbreaking. But when you take a step back, I mean, what a team, what an organization that they've built. And, um, you know, it's sad because it was so close, but... I got to tell you, um, you know, you, you really do have to be appreciative for what they've built. And I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, this is going to be a team that comes back with an incredible focus of unfinished business, trying to make it happen again next year. I mean, now, what did you make of the way things uh, went down in Regina on Sunday? Yeah, forgive me if I'm not going to join. Uh, and, and I don't think it's been overly critical out there, but, you know, some people probably have the knives out. They want to carve up. You know whether it's Legio or Buck Pierce for some of the play calling or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to join in in uh, in the carving, if you will. Uh, in a sense, I'm I'm going to give the the whole organization a mulligan here based on everything that they have accomplished over the last few seasons. Would a three-peat have been you know terrific? Absolutely. Was it deserved? I mean, I think you can argue with the season they had. 
it's obviously disappointing to not capture a great cup at the end of you know what was a franchise best regular season um but look i mean toronto did a lot of things well as well you got to give some credit to them and yeah the bombers made some some self-inflicted mistakes um just wasn't their day and uh you know i think i'm more in the camp of uh um you know, cherish kind of what, what you had and, and, you know, what they did and yeah, lick your wounds. They're ready for next year. And I think in a way, you know, these bombers, they're going to have now a, a chip on the shoulder that wouldn't have been there had they won three straight, not, not to suggest because this is not a team that looked like it got comfortable or, or content, certainly not with the regular season they had, but um, bring much of this group back now with, uh, with something to prove which you could argue they didn't have going into this year. And, and they're, you know, an extremely dangerous outfit again. You know, I just, and someone that, uh, you know, is from this city grew up a part of the sports community and uh, covers Winnipeg sports. I mean, there is another side to it. I mean, for all the heartbreak that bombers and their fans have had, if this is the way Andrew Harris goes out, um, yeah. <laughs> and I know he had that, Insta- that great Instagram post of him with the great cup, the 33 Pete, um, because of course, he won three in a row. He did. Um, and we'll see what happens with him going forward. I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, many people was unfortunate that he wasn't part of the squad this year. But I think everything that he's done for Winnipeg, if they were going to lose and someone was going to win and raise that trophy again, yeah. Andrew Harris would be at the top of that list. What an amazing feat for him, not only to be part of that club, but the way he worked to come back after everyone thought that he was done for the season with that torn pack and you know, to be an impactful player in both the championship uh, game for the division and the Grey Cup, it it speaks to uh, the warrior that Andrew Harris is. And um, sure. what a, what an amazing story he is, as uh, disappointing as it is for many of us, myself included, to talk about it right now. You know, and, and put me in the camp as well, that the CFL needs, I, I believe the CFL needs Toronto to be a healthy league. Winnipeg's never going to be a question mark. Winnipeg is, you know, the cornerstone along with Saskatchewan of the CFL. And, you know, I don't know if Toronto winning the Great Cup and the way they did, I don't know if it moves the needle. I saw the stuff on social media last night that their own website 24 hours later didn't even have a story about them winning the Great Cup, which is what just a un- joke. It's what a unfathomable. Joke. It's incredible to me, and and you know you wonder why the league has trouble kind of growing in that market. But um, you know the game was terrific entertainment. It was great theater, Huff. It's everything you you could ask for in in a championship game. I see that the ratings were pretty good, over three million. You know, tuned in. That's great for the league, and you, you just hope. You hope that Toronto winning doesn't go for naught, that somehow that could parlay into some tangible impact in that market because they need it. Um, so, you know, the Bombers didn't, the Bombers don't need to win another great cup. They didn't need to win a third in a row to grow the game, to grow the league in this market. They certainly could use some growth in, in Ontario we saw growth this year happen out in BC, you know, and, and it was great to see the West final, you know, and the, the crowd that they had there wasn't quite the same story out East. And you'd love to think that, that the Argos 
could parlay this into something significant for the league as a whole. I guess I won't hold my breath, but um, you know, any progress would be would be good progress out there. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, let's get to the Jets. Uh, <laughs> it was the middle of the night here. Um, what a what a crazy game. Um, you know, we heard from Rick Bonus at the beginning, and I think he really, you know, like most people, were just so impressed with the way the team locked it down and played for 55 minutes. And then a desperate Carolina team pulls the goalie. They get one, they do it again. They get another. And the next thing, you know, we're going to overtime before Josh Morrissey salvages the day. And I think the psyche of most Winnipeg sports fans, considering what had happened the night before in Regina, um, that was a crazy one, but you know, another game overall, most importantly, two points as Rick bonus said, probably a little bit of a learning lesson in there. And, uh, Big win for the Winnipeg Jets that they had out on the road. I mean, uh, what were your takeaways from last night's thriller at Canada Life Center? Well, and I great point on the learning lesson, Huss. And I suspect there might be a lesson for the veteran coach to learn as well. Rick Bonus, you know, kind of like Buck Pierce and company, I thought got too cute when they, you know, had Dakota Prukop throw the deep ball that gets picked off that totally unnecessary at that point in the game to call that play. I would argue it was also unnecessary for Rick bonus to shorten his bench. Like this was a jets team that was rolling four lines. They were getting contributions. I mean, the fourth line scored a beautiful goal. Mikey Asimov his first NHL goal. The penalty kill was working wonders again. And Huss, when you're down six on five, because the other teams pulled their goalie, I know it's not officially on the penalty kill, but you're shorthanded. And the Jets kind of abandoned the mindset that they'd had and that's worked so well this year when shorthanded. They were in sort of five-on-five mode at that point, and they were rolling out their top two lines, which they had kind of pinched down to. And, you know, guys like Janssen Fialbi, Daku Manalainen, David Gustafson, those guys were stapled to the bench. And I guess the question I would have is why? Um, why, 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 get, why overthink it? Um, and, you know, maybe the same thing ultimately happens, even if you're still rolling out your depth, guys. But And give credit to Carolina. Like, those three goals, this wasn't a product, Huss, of the Jets completely imploding kind of on their heels. Like Carolina, those three goals were perfectly executed plays. The first on a on a beautiful screen, the second on a beautiful tip, and the third, I still maintain that puck was tipped. David Riddick said after the game he thought it was tipped. Um, whatever the case, it looked like it hit something, but you know he didn't have a chance on any of those three. So uh, Carolina pulls the goalie, executes perfectly, but as you say, Huss, Josh Morrissey kind of saved the day, and I guess. You know, it's a non-divisional, non-conference game. Carolina picking up the point doesn't really matter to the Jets. Uh, I would say it's a case of no harm, no foul if you're Winnipeg. You get the two points. It's just maybe not quite the way you had drawn it up through 55. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll go one step further. Um, you know, in that sort of a case, I, I don't really have an issue with the coach, you know, trying to lock it down and, you know, play the guys that give you the best chance to win. I just somewhat have questions about the guys that were chosen to do that. It yeah. drove me nuts over the Maurice era when the minute that that 
goalie was pulled, it was automatically 26 and 55, and they would go out and, you know, often would sort of feast on getting some of those cheap points, which is great. But to be honest, if you're in a one-goal game, are those the guys that, you know, give you the best chance to lock it down? I've been so impressed with the way that they've played the fourth line, David Gustafson in particular, after the other team has scored. High-leverage situations. And I think that they've come through over and over in that. I mean, to me, Adam Lowry and David Gustafson are the guys I think I want out there the most in those situations right now. I know Lowry was yesterday, uh, but it was interesting. And listen, Bones has pressed all the right buttons, and we just had a great conversation with Trevor Kidd about so many of the things that are different about this year's Winnipeg Jets team. Uh, but I think it's a good point, And I know a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah. That being said, you're right. They didn't just collapse. I mean, that was a good team that got a lot of pucks on that, got a couple breaks that didn't happen earlier in the game. And there they were, you know, big save. Dave had a pretty strong game and I felt for him afterwards because, you know, you win the game. You play very well. I mean, you don't give up any goals at five on five. I mean, obviously there was the pulled goaltender and yet, you know, he sort of had to answer questions about what had happened. Um, All being said, you know, there was a lot of, I remember getting after a few people who were hitting me up on Twitter after the first period of that Vegas game. That was when, by the way, I haven't heard a lot of people complaining that, you know, they didn't sign Eric Comrie for twice as much money over the past few weeks than they have David Riddich. I mean, pump the brakes and give guys a little bit of a break. Much like I said the same thing about Eric Comrie at the beginning of last season. You know, despite the horrible first period, and listen, part of it, you know, he had a couple bad goals in that Vegas game, but they came back. We saw so much more in the, from the team in that second and third period. And I'll tell you what, right now, um, you know, as a, as a backup to Connor Hellebuck going into a, a very busy time in the schedule, I think Riddich is, you know, proven to be money well spent right now. And, you know, I think for the most part, last night was another good example of that. What have you thought about him up until this point of the season? I'll give you a little uh, little dressing room insight from last night, Huss. <laughs> I chuckled. I don't know if the audio, I haven't looked to see if the audio of Mikey Essamont's interview is is kind of out there. Uh, you know, if the Jets, I didn't look what they posted from our interview with Mikey. So Mikey Essamont's in the in the scrum in the room with us. Uh, David Redditch is getting undressed, like just to the side, and he is piping hot. So there's a team employee, one of the security guys, is standing next to him, and I and the poor guy. I guess David just wanted to vent to someone that was with within earshot of him. The f bombs were flying to the point, like. I don't know if any of the Mikey audio is really usable, at least on a broadcast, because David Riddick's commentary, you could hear him in the background. And then it was funny, a few minutes later, he now joins the the media scrum. And I ask him, you know, what's going through your mind? And he says, uh, well, I can't say, I can't say in the media, a lot of swear words. And I'm thinking, well, you were just saying right over in the corner there, we kind of <laughs> heard, we kind of heard what you were thinking about it. Um, I mean, yeah. Like, was he frustrated? Feel- was he just frustrated with the way the last yes. five minutes went, despite the uh, the fact that they you know got what they came to do, and that was get two points and move on to the tw- Twin Cities? Yeah, I mean, like all goalies, he's he's weird, and uh, <laughs> he he you know he went from thinking he was 
going to record a shutout against one of the best teams in the league to us. He had to make a save with about 12 seconds left and smother a loose puck. The Jets almost blew that in regulation, um, which is, is insane. And I mean, if that had happened, my goodness, uh, the sound of folks getting off the bandwagon would have been overwhelming, but be a different uh, vibe it. on the show today. I can guarantee it you that. Would, it would be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's not being selfish there. Like, he's obviously happy the team pulled out the win. I think he, he was just frustrated, as he said. Those were three perfectly executed plays. Like, he almost felt helpless. And you can probably go an entire season and, or more, and you're not going to see that again. Another team score three times with the goalie pulled. Uh, it's like, it's like all of the good things that happened in the first 55 just, just ganged up to kind of come back to bite you in the last five. So yeah, frustration. But you know, I thought it was interesting, Huss. Before the game, Rick Bonus said something kind of newsworthy. He said that he wants to get Connor Hellebuck a rest once a week or at most every ten days. That's a bit of a change in, in, in mindset. And, you know, I think through the first month of the season, that wasn't really possible because the Jets schedule, the Jets have played the fewest games in the NHL right now. Um, but that's going to change quickly here because they're playing basically every other day. What that means is that there's going to be games like last night where, quite frankly, I was surprised that Connor Hellebuck didn't get the start because I just expected he kind of starts – Pretty much all the games that, unless it's a back-to-back or an inferior opponent that they figure they could maybe get away with, I, I I wouldn't think Connor Hellebuck gets a night off, but he did, and they won. So you know that that's a good sign, um, and I think it's a good mentality, a good approach to to find time to give Connor Hellebuck you know a day off here and there. So we're going to see Big Save Dave, you know, on a weekly or every 10-day kind of basis. That might mean that he gets some games that in the past they wouldn't have trusted the backup with. And I think you're right. I mean, obviously that first start in Vegas didn't go like he'd hoped. But we maybe magnify that game because of the first period. You know, he's beaten four times. There was that gaff where he – the puck handling gaff to Jack Eichel that ends up in the back of the net – I don't know that he had a real chance on the other three that beat him. And he certainly held the fort down the, the remaining 40, but the damage was done at that point. Um, but he's been, he's been very solid in his other three starts. They've won three out of four. Rick bonus said, if you could go 500 when your backup's playing and then make hay when your, your number one's in net. Well, he's, he's batting 750 right now. And so I expect we'll see him, you know, in another week, a uh, week and a half here, uh, when the Jets are back home, uh, get another start, and it's well-deserved. Uh, Mike, let's talk. I want to talk about the upcoming road trip that you're on, but um, quickly, two players in particular. Um, well, let, you mentioned Mikey Isimont. Um, you yeah. know, he wasn't a player that a lot of people were talking about at the start of the year. We all know about the injury issues that the Winnipeg Jets have had. Interesting that he was playing ahead of Dominic Toninato yesterday, scored his first National Hockey League goal. I've loved the energy that he brings to uh, the Winnipeg Jet lineup right now. He seems to be fitting in well. Um, fill us in a little bit on uh, both his reaction to his first big league goal and um, 
where he fits in right now and the early returns from him playing in the National Hockey League for the team. Well, Hass, not only is he ahead of Dominic Toninato, which I don't think we would have had on the bingo card when the season began, I would argue he's also ahead of Jansen Harkins because don't forget, Essamont played on the weekend against Pittsburgh and it was Harkins who was the healthy scratch. So, you know, in, in a sense, he's leapfrogged both those guys who, you know, were, were both put on waivers out of training camp. Uh, Isamont had already been sent to the Moose, you know, well before those guys did. But, you know, I think Rick Bonus sees a lot of things in, in Mikey. This is going to be a playoff the old commercial. Uh, Mikey likes it. And, and Rick Bonus likes it. You know, what Mikey brings to the, to the game. And he was obviously pumped. The players were pumped for him. You know, he said, that this is the best day of my life. Um, you could just see the excitement, and it was kind of a Mikey Isimont goal, right? Speed, you know, David Gustafson, who you mentioned earlier, I thought that was Gustafson's, for sure, his best game of this season, maybe his best game as an NHLer yesterday. Um, you know, gets the breakaway, he's stopped, but then Isimont follows up with speed. And great for that line, like three guys in Gustafson and Harkins and Isimont who played together with the Moose, like that is the kind of depth scoring you need when you've got three top nine guys, you know, who've all gone under the knife, which is just incredible. 25% of the Winnipeg Jets opening night forwards have had surgery in the last month. And Ehlers is getting surgery at some point this week. So he'll join that list. But that, that is incredible. And so you need guys to step up and he's done so. And, you know, he brings that energy. He's an honest, hardworking player. And I think at this point, he's, you know, he's kind of cemented his spot in the lineup with uh, with the, the injury issues they have. Well, he's going to get a continued opportunity to uh, sort of try to, you know, let the coaches know that when guys do come back and are healthy, that he's a viable option for the Winnipeg sure. Jets. The other guy that had a big opportunity last night that we've talked a lot more about than Mikey Isimont was Vili Hanela. Um, from your perspective up in the press box, how did Vili do? Did he help his cause last night? And What's his situation heading into tomorrow night against the Wild in the Central Division roadie? I think he absolutely helped his cause, Huss, because let's take the last five minutes of the game away. I don't think he was on the ice for any of those three goals against. Let's look at the first 55. And I'm not saying this is all on Vili, but he was part of a group that had absolutely smothered one of the best teams in the NHL and really hadn't given them a whole lot. And one thing I thought the Jets did really well, again, as a group, I'm not saying Vili was responsible for this. The Jets transitioned the puck so well last night in the first 55 out of their own end. Look at how they scored their goals. Look at the number of, of, of odd man rushes, of breakaways. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois opens the scoring on a breakaway. Isimont's goal also on a breakaway after the, the you know, the follow-up to the breakaway. Um the Jets were were getting out of their end with ease last night, and they also weren't getting hemmed in for long periods of time. I would say with Billy, he didn't do anything glaring, you know, and, and this is a heavy, forechecking, really skilled forward group that was coming for him. And there were really no times where I thought he looked overwhelmed or out of his element. And again, this is a guy who was making his date his NHL debut this season. Uh, and we know with Billy, he's the kind of guy that sometimes takes a few games to to kind of get going. But once he gets going, he's he can be really good. 
Um, I guess complicating matters, though, Haas, to me, is, look, he should absolutely be ahead of Kyle Capobianco. No offense to Kyle Capobianco. Billy's your drafted and developed future. Kyle Capobianco is the depth journeyman that you signed last season. Billy Hainalis should be playing over him, period. Um, we don't know exactly how long Dylan DeMello is going to be out. <clears throat> he's missed the last two, but it sounds like he's close. When he comes back, <clears throat> you know, who comes out? And uh, It's probably Billy. And I know people aren't going to like that. <clears throat> but what are the other options? Dylan Sandberg? I thought Sandberg, as his partner, had a really good game yesterday. And I don't think it's Dylan Sandberg, you know, that's coming out again. Sandberg's out there sometimes killing penalties. Billy at the NHL level, they don't trust him at this point to kill penalties. So, um, you know, it may be a case where even though I thought he had a really good game, maybe coming out of the lineup soon here. And then what we know is probably going to happen, Haas, he's not going to sit like Kyle Capobianco waiting his turn in the press box, nor should he. If he's not in the lineup, he should go to the moose and play. But he also should be the first guy up and inserted right in the lineup when opportunity comes knocking and. I think he did some really good things last night that should give Rick Bonus plenty of confidence. Well, and, and, and let's move on to this because we haven't, I mean, we talked so much about this in the offseason in and around training camp, but, you know, when you win hockey games um, and you play the way the Winnipeg Jets have been playing, you know, you don't talk about shuffling up player personnel, but with Nikolai Ehlers out long-term, Morgan Barron and Mason Appleton in that spot, the need up at forward, which already I think in a lot of people's yeah. opinions was there is even greater. Um, were you hearing anything about the Winnipeg Jets speaking, talking around and considering making a move from a position of strength, which absolutely is the blue line, which could also open up a spot for Hanela and get some help up front where they have been decimated by injuries. Well, for sure. I suspect Kevin Shoveldayoff's phone is ringing because teams know that there's a potential surplus and teams are probably making their best pitch to see what they might, what it might take to get, to get a guy, you know, a team that needs a D-man and maybe has a surplus forward. What I can tell you is this, Huss, I, I'm always looking now at games to see who, you know, who's scouting the Jets. And I can tell you this, there has been a longer list of scouts at Winnipeg Jets games, especially at home, but even on the road, than I've seen in a long time, at least early in the season. Certainly as you get closer to trade deadline, like there's always, you know, 12, 13, 15 scouts in the house. To see a dozen or more at times in the building in the first month of the season, that's really unusual. And yet it's happened now on numerous occasions at Canada Life Center. Um, so there's got to be a reason for that. And it can't just be that guys, scouts love spending November in Winnipeg. Um, they, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, and then maybe part of it too, is they're scouting the other team. Sure. Um, but you know, I got to think that, that there's teams that are keeping an extra eye on the jets because they know it, they might have started the year thinking the Jets are a non-playoff team and maybe there's a piece or two they'd be willing to sell off as they get closer to the deadline. But now it may be, so it's not so much the the um, the vultures circling in the air, you know, ready to pick the corpse. It may be that they actually see the Jets as a team that might be looking to add and, and but but also delete and solve a problem 
you know, uh, or solve a couple problems in one fell swoop. So I do find it interesting. The Ottawa Senators are scouting almost every Jets game this year from what I've seen. We know Ottawa is a team. They had big expectations. They're a mess right now. And they one of the things they could really use is some defensive help. What do they have potentially up front to offer the Jets? I have no idea. Um, but it is interesting to me that Ottawa is a team that's been sniffing around the Jets a lot. And again, if you're Kevin Shoveldayoff, the fact your team's 11-5-1, you don't have to make a desperate move. What you do hope, though, is that a team like Ottawa or Vancouver or go down the list of teams that right now are in dire straits, even a team like Toronto that needs some blue line help, you hope that they come to you and and blow your doors off with an offer and overpay potentially to try and solve a problem of their own. Kevin Shoveldayoff, we know patience is a virtue for him. He can afford to be a little patient here. But I got to think, Hasi, if nothing else, given the strong play and the strong start of his team, he's got to be thinking, I'd love to throw these guys a bone if I can and, and kind of help them out. Um, you know, to, to keep them swimming above water. So it, it makes for um, some interesting days for sure to kind of keep an eye on who's watching the Jets as they go forward here in the coming days and weeks. No doubt. Mike McIntyre, the Freep, is with us in the Twin Cities here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Jets hitting the road tomorrow. And Mike, just before we go, Central Division is looking maybe a little bit more like what we expected. I mean, the Dallas Stars do have uh, two extra games played than Winnipeg and Colorado. And how about that? 17 games into the season approaching U.S. Thanksgiving. The Jets yeah. have the identical record than the defending Stanley Cup <laughs> champions at 11-5-1. The Blues are back from the dead. Um, after we kind of joked that the Jets broke them, they were 3-0. and They came into Winnipeg, got pumped, and then lost seven more, eight in a row. Well, now they've been the streakiest team all year. They've won seven in a row. They're 10 and eight. The Preds are one game above 500 and the Minnesota wild somewhat disappointing eight, eight and two right now. And we all expected that Chicago and Arizona would probably be in those last two quickly fill us in, set up this road trip in the central division. Some more really important games for the jets, starting with what I expect to be a very hungry wild team tomorrow night. Well, for sure. You got to think Minnesota's what are they? Five points back of Winnipeg, uh, they lose in regulation tomorrow. Now you're seven back. You win in regulation. You're three back. Like we talk about four pointers. If you're the wild and, you know, U.S. Thanksgiving is the next day, Thursday, you don't want to fall seven points behind the Winnipeg Jets. That's that's a lot of ground to make up in the, the era of the three-point games. Um, so I got to think that Minnesota is going to come out guns a-blazing. They're also rested, Hus. They last played on Saturday against Carolina. They've had a few days off. They won that game, by the way. Uh, but they've had a few days off at home to practice, to rest. Uh, they're going to be hungry. And, you know, the Jets are starting a road trip and no doubt would like to get it going in the right direction. An all-central road trip that's also going to take them to Dallas on Friday. And then, of course, Chicago. And then after that, Huss, a fourth straight game against the Central and those Colorado Avalanche come to town next week. So. This is a big week for the Jets. You know, you look at the next seven days, four divisional games, two of, against teams that they're kind of neck and neck with right now for first and second in the division. Um, I think, again, going back to David Riddick, that's probably why he got last night's game. 
if you're the Jets, you're probably thinking we're going to run Connor Hellebuck for all four of these games here. You could give Riddick the game against, I think it's Columbus at the end of next week, the second game of that homestand. I got to think Hellebuck, you're going with your A lineup here for all four. Uh, and it all starts tomorrow, which makes for a good, uh, a good, you know, scene setter for an important road trip early in the year here. We'll look forward to all of your coverage in the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, thanks so much for doing this and enjoy the soccer game tomorrow in between the morning skate and the six o'clock puck drop at the XL Energy Center. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, Huss. Enjoy and uh, don't forget the sunscreen, eh? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Take it easy, pal. Here's Mike McIntyre. All right, we are going to talk a little World Cup getting ready for Canada against Belgium tomorrow right here in Doha, Qatar. I'll be there. Make sure you're following Hustle Ram and the Cool Bet Socials, Winnipeg Sports Talk for some of the uh, sights and sounds of the World Cup. Uh, just before we talk World Cup with Steve Sandor, have to thank Princess Auto for their Phenomenal support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, Bomber fans know Princess Auto was there for the blue and gold all year long and setting up the best pregame atmosphere in the Canadian Football League at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Cannot wait to get back there next June. Of course, we'll be working with Princess Auto throughout the year, as well as focusing on some of the top curlers in the country and in the world right here from Manitoba, many of them on Team Princess Auto. And of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best assortment and value of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And also, I mean, hey, we're getting into the holidays and then we're talking about drinks and entertaining. Hey, one thing that everybody needs water and water services and the family owned gang at Culligan have been the water experts for over 60 years here in the city and province. And they really do have everything. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking full home systems, drinking water systems. And of course, those jugs with the Culligan men taking them out to you anywhere in the city and surrounding area. Whatever your water needs, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check out what Culligan's got going online at drinkculligan.com. And well, it's very dry here, both in the air and um, in the uh, in the social areas, it certainly won't be as we get into the holidays and when you're entertaining and looking for the best Canadian whiskey. Everyone knows Canada's favorite is Canadian Club. Uh, not only a great sponsor of us, but also the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and what a great season that was and great to see so many people enjoying the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, which was an incredibly popular selection at Bomber Games this season. But hey, just because the bomber season's over doesn't mean you can't pick it up. CC and Ginger available in six packs at your local beer store and pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for all the great products from the Canadian Club family. Canadian Club, give them a follow on Instagram as well and shout out to everyone that sent us pictures of them enjoying the CC and Ginger throughout the bomber season. All right, I'm here in Qatar tomorrow. It's on Canada, Belgium. Let's catch up with Steve Sandor, one of our soccer experts joining the program to uh, tee up Canada's return to the big dance. Double S, how are you? What have you, uh, what have you thought of the tourney so far? Uh, it's been weird. It's, I mean, other than too, like just the timing of it does take some getting used to, like in the sense of, Hey, there's snow outside and, 
I'm taking the kids to school and I'm fitting World Cup games in between that. Um, uh, but I think the start of this tournament, and I think because of just coming in from the European leagues and basically like right into the tournament, right? From like what they were playing last week um uh, in the Premiership and the Bundesliga and the league and 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 at Al. Um an MLS Cup just happened and that hype train that normally rolls for a month, month and a half with all the friendlies and stuff didn't happen. It's like, well, here we go. Um, and I think uh, it's kind of made for what feels like an abrupt start, at least globally, an abrupt start to a tournament. And uh, yeah, I think obviously I was going to say the first few days have seen some blowouts that we expected. And then I was going to talk more about it. And then Saudi Arabia happened. So now I'm not going to talk about it. I think most of our listeners and uh, certainly the country back home counting down the hours until um, Canada faces off against the Belgians. Before we talk about this matchup game, number one, and overall, let's talk about the squad quickly. Um, What stood out to you or what stood stand out or what should maybe the very casual fan that's looking forward to seeing them for the first time playing the world cup know about the squad that Canada has sent here to Qatar for tomorrow's first match. I think the, the, biggest thing is that they're they're going to be a team that's going to play without fear they have nothing to lose like let's face it canada is here on house if canada goes oh and three it's it's fine it's it really is like they're a team that comes in they have nothing to lose if they lose three nil to belgium tomorrow the whole world will just shrug right like no one's gonna like in the whole world's gonna go whatever right this is what was expected right um that gives you that advantage of being that team that's here on house money because you don't really have any fear. Like they, they should feel like not a lot of pressure. Like I'm sure they do. It's a world cup. And for a lot of these players, it's the first time walking out on such a stage, but it's not the same kind of pressure that the Belgians, the the Croats will feel right. Like, like that's a different level of pressure that they have uh, because there's expectations that come with those teams. Um, But it's a young team. It's a quick team. They're going to play the, very fast pace at the same time they're not going to be able to control games like they did in CONCACAF this is a different level of competition they're not playing you know this is a huge step up even for Mexico United States what they're playing in the next the next two weeks so the way that they were able to dominate games the way that they were able to use their speed and use players like Alfonso Davies and Sam Atacubi on the wings to really run at teams you know, I don't think it'll be the same level. I don't think, um, you know, uh, Moros uh, or Stephanie Stackwheel, I almost said brother's name, um, uh, that Stephanie Stackwheel is going to be able to control the middle of the park like he did. And as well, Alfonso Davies is coming off a hamstring injury. And while he says he's 100% healthy and ready to go, I think we have to be somewhat realistic and understanding that, that for a soccer player, that's a pretty bad injury to have. And that we need to, you know, understand that he might not be well, he says he's 100%. He might not really be 100% because players will always tell you and then tell, tell the media one thing when the truth is maybe something else. Um, so, but is it an exciting team to watch? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, honestly, the last six months with everything that's gone on with the Canadian soccer or Canada soccer and the team, the fighting that's gone on about the money that Alfonso Davies has got his own separate sponsorship agreement. He had his own lawyers. Um, you know, at one point I heard was training by himself um, when they were in Slovakia. This team was always prided itself on its togetherness. 
and it's pride and it's had a lot of issues come up like the players went on strike um are there mental hangovers um that last or does the world cup you know take overtake that but i think about other teams that have had drama going into world and didn't go well for them i think about france and south africa where they were squabbling with each other and they were such a world power and they just flamed out so I'm more worried about the mental makeup of this team right now uh, over the last six months than I am about anything about their physical or their talent or, or you know, the, the levels that they've gotten to. I just, well, let's, let's bring it to John Herdman. It might not be the same. Let's bring it to yeah. John Herdman. I mean, based on all of that. And I mean, I certainly as you know, someone that wants to see our, our team show well, hope that that can all be, I mean, literally put aside because this is the opportunity of a lifetime that every one of these men has been working for probably since they started playing. Um, But from your perspective, what are the biggest challenges for John Herdman to get his team prepared for that step up in weight class with the opponents in under the brightest lights in the biggest stage in, uh, in the world soccer? I think, I think we all understand that John Herdman is the master of motivators. Like, if you ever needed anyone to speak at your motivational seminar, like, hire him. He will be better than anyone else you will find on the planet. Like, and the things that he pulls out of his hat, like, for example, like, we know when they were in Edmonton in the qualifying games against Mexico, and he brought in Phil Jackson to talk to the team. <laughs> about, like, you know, the, the great NBA coach about staying in the moment. And, like, this is Phil Jackson, who coached Michael Jordan, right? And, and you know, and later coach Kobe. And it was like, here he is talking about staying in the moment, staying real. And he says, you know, I could tell you this, but I'm going to let Phil Jackson tell you this. The players kind of go, okay, well, listen, right? But it's the kind of tricks he pulls out of his hat for motivation. It's not like, oh, he's just got a better speech. It's like, what stunt is he going to pull to get us that we're going to run through a wall for him? So, you know, I, you know, and I think we're reading now about the stuff he did with the drone when he, first took over the Canadian team and he and he was filming them and how they walked off the field and saying, this isn't how you handle it. Like you're all going off in little cliques, you know, um, there's one group of players that can accept one, another group of players. This isn't going to work guys. This just doesn't work. Um, and the players were like, Oh really? We just never really recognized that. And it's, <laughs> um, but you know, and, and, you know, and I known John for a long time and, you know, he makes the players read philosophy. He does. Um, makes players read Viktor Frankl. I think I've talked to you about this before. He's a big believer in him. The the uh, the philosopher, post Second World War, a Holocaust survivor. Um, he makes the players read that stuff about how to apply positive thinking in the worst of circumstances. Um, this is a guy, as I said, that pulls thinking like he's not like a coach like anyone else. You would he's 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 you know. I gotta say, like, you know, when you think about characters as a coach, Ted Lasso's got nothing on him. Like, if you did a television show about John Herdman, it would be far, and Ted Lasso's a great show, but it would be far more interesting because it's real what John Herdman does. So I have nothing but the utmost respect for John. But I do think this is the biggest job he's ever had. And I think, I think the issue that we have is with the drama. And I think we have to ask ourselves after this World Cup, John Herdman's going to be able to write a check for himself at a lot of places. There's about 150 national teams that would love to have him. There's club teams that would love to have him. And 
if this continuing battle happens between the association and the players, what is John Herbert's long-term future? I, I think that we need to get this sort of settled out. Yeah, I mean, that is... And listen, we've talked about it before. I mean, it'll certainly be something that we'll be talking about again. Um, but honestly, I mean, we're 24 hours away from seeing Canada kick off against Belgium. I think we got to save that listen, for later. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Yeah. And that is the way they've got to approach this game. There's uh, absolutely nothing to lose. Give us your uh, give us your quick thought. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, Canada, I think by most um, people that follow this closely, um, did not get a favorable draw. I mean, they are in with three real quality teams. Just uh, thoughts on Group F overall, and um, I mean, let's uh, let's swing for the fences. I mean, what what is the path for Canada if they are going to shock the world and make it through? What do they have to do? Where does that start? Well, they're going to need to get. They're going to need to. The game against Morocco is an absolute three pointer. They they have to get three out of that game. That is a must. Um, I think it would be the, the brightest of optimists that would think that they could get two wins out of Croatia and Belgium. If they can get into a situation where they draw one of Croatia or Belgium and beat Morocco, they might be in a shout for that second place spot. The thing is, is that I think Belgium and Croatia are thinking the same, are thinking this is simple, simple math for both of them. Beat, beat Morocco, beat Canada, and the game we have against each other doesn't really matter that much because we're both going through. Because they know that's the math for them. They both know it's six points in those two other games. I think there's Canadian fans, and I love how often, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting us down. There's such optimism with Canadian, Canadian fans and how well the team did in CONCACAF qualifying. Um, you know, like Croatia's older. And, and so is Belgium. They've gotten older. Yeah, yeah, they have gotten older. They're not necessarily any worse. And I think we kind of forget. Like, I think it's like the Croatian question that actually confounds me more than the Belgian one. Because I actually think Croatia's a better team than Belgium, even right now. I know most people go, oh, Belgium this, Belgium that. I still think, I think that we, for, I don't know how conveniently we forgot that Croatia finished second at this tournament last time around. And yes, their players are older, but these are like international superstars. And Croatia is a soccer factory. It is a small nation that is absolutely obsessed with this game and obsessed with, and their system of bringing up players is like, I'd argue, like for a country its size of less than 4 million people is unlike any other in the world because there's other European countries, yeah, that are machines, but... Croatia is, isn't even the size of Paris. So you can't compare them to France. But they are an absolute machine. When you look at the players around the world that play at top-level clubs, they have been since the 1990s when they did. We forget they finished third in France in 98, finished second at this last World Cup. Um, so I actually think that maybe they're better chance for a point the more I think about it is against the Belgians to doing it tomorrow because sometimes as i said it's that settling in how is belgium going to settle in are they going to look like england or are they going to be more like denmark today that looked a bit off how about argentina how about argentina, argentina. i mean hell if the yeah, saudis okay. can yeah, beat exactly. argentina why the hell can't we beat belgium and i think the, the, as this tournament goes on those bigger teams will find themselves um 
yeah, and I, but I think your Argentina point is spot on. So I think this is where you try to catch them, and maybe you get that point. I think, and then, but it all goes away if they don't get three against Morocco. If they don't get three against Morocco, the hard work that they do against Belgium and Croatia will go away. Um, so it is a tough group. It's no doubt about it. They got a tougher group the United States did. They got a tougher group than, than Mexico did. When you look at the other big boys at CONCACAF, they certainly got a tougher road than those, than those two teams. Um, I might not have said that about Mexico before the Argentina loss, but now I think, hey, yeah, Mexico can get through on this one pretty, you know. Um, and also, you know, I look at the United States. It's like, as I said, it's a battle between them and Wales on who beats Iran more. Well, and they had a beautiful opportunity to win. I mean, they went, they gave up the equalizer in the what the eighty second minute or something. It was, it was a, a stone uh, cold penalty. It was a stone cold penalty, though. There was a clear penalty. Yeah. I, there's no, there's no issue about it. It was a terrible challenge. It was a dumb challenge by Demon. Uh, to yeah, I mean, like they could smell victory, and uh, you know, they uh, they weren't able to get across the finish line. Listen, double S. Like the, the Americans let off the they let off the gas. They were they had whales by the throat in the first half. And I felt in the second half they tried to manage the game when they should have gone, stayed on, kept the foot on the throat. Well, it's, uh, I, listen, I, I got to tell you, I mean, the experience of being around here, seeing everyone from around the world here supporting their teams, even in a different culture and a different place like Qatar, is uh, something that I've never experienced. And uh, I got to tell you, I am so excited to see Canada back in the World Cup and uh, throw the red on tomorrow and see what the fellas can do. And, uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Um, listen, we'll get you back on later on in the tournament. And um, at that point, maybe we'll, well maybe it's afterwards. We'll also talk about what's happening around with Canada soccer and the effect of, of course, the World Cup coming and some real sad news yesterday that I know you've been writing about at Urban Affairs. People can check that out. FC Edmonton folding. And that is incredibly concerning for Canadian soccer. Um, I can remember back when I was working with you back at the Oilers in those days, we had, I mean, great crowds for the Canadian men's team of which people were actually cheering for Canada, which really didn't happen anywhere else yeah. in the country. It's been an incredible market and um, very concerning to hear uh, FC Edmonton folding what that means for the CPL. But for the time being, we'll focus in on tomorrow, one o'clock Winnipeg time, kickoff Canada, Belgium, Canada returns to the World Cup from the fir- for the first time since 1986, looking for the first goal, the first win, well, the first point first, and uh, and all of that. But uh, tell you what, next week, let's do this again. Uh, we'll get a little your thoughts on everything that's happening in the tournament and Canada. In the meantime, uh, Sandor, thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking to you after we see Canada back on the world stage. Thanks for doing this. All right, great stuff with Steve Sandor. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock, basically the same time as Winnipeg Sports Talk is on. Remo will be holding it down tomorrow, along with uh, DB and some other special guests. Canada, Belgium, it is on. Um, You have to thank Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ, for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Hey, 12 months a year, the blizzard is always the most elite treat when it comes to ice cream, all those great blizzard flavors, including new ones coming all the time are great. What you might not have tried is the incredible stack burgers. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? DQ's always been a sleeper when it comes to some of the best food in the fast food game. And the four Nick and Dicky DQs are ready to serve you. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, with the holidays coming up, parties, gatherings, and more, 
Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make the famous DQ ice cream cake however you like. And uh, get it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, pretty dry here. They were selling Bud Zero in the uh, Fan Fest today, and I think that'll be the same case at the game tomorrow. So even more, I'm missing and appreciating the great support we have and the great product we have from Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. If you're getting ready for the game tomorrow, maybe taking the afternoon off for a hell of a sports day with Canada-Belgium at 1 and then Jets Wild at 6, take it to the next level and make it perfect with a case of 1919 or some of your other Little Brown Jug favorites. You can pop by, pick up Little Brown Jug at the brewery and tap room. Try them all, heck, down in uh, William Avenue. Check out the great merchandise as well with the holidays around the corner. And, of course, you can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your local beer store as well. And fine restaurants and bars will have Little Brown Jug 1919 on tap. Keep an eye out for that. And, of course, littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery as well. All right. Rima's got a few NHL news and notes. Can tell you right now, France up 4-1 in this game against the Aussies tomorrow. Let's get to our cool bet lines. By the way, myself and Jake Bolin Moss, the Aussie early goal ruined our Doha double. We're going to be doing a few parlays up at the cool bet exclusives. Get a nice number for you folks. Um, tomorrow, we've got four games. Uh, it starts off in Group F, Canada's group, Morocco and Croatia. Croatia, Pretty significant favorite in this one, plus 122. <clears throat> the draws plus 223, and Morocco to win, plus 285. Then goes to Germany and Japan. Don't forget, Canada just beat Japan 2-1 in their final tune-up for the World Cup. Germany, massive favorite, minus 217. Draw, plus 375. And the Japanese, plus 630 to win. Um, Spain, an even bigger favorite, minus 526. But beware, we saw what happened to Argentina today. Don't be putting a minus one 526 favorite on your parlays. Uh, plus 645 for a draw. And Costa Rica from CONCACAF, plus 1750 to win. Although that still isn't close to the 20, 26 to 1 that Saudi Arabia was today with their shocking upset of Argentina. If you missed it, check out my Instagram story. Got some great stuff from the Fan Fest when that happened. Was quite the experience. And then the game we've all been waiting for for years Decades since 1986, Canada's back in the World Cup. We're taking on Belgium. Belgium is a big favorite, minus 182. A draw is plus 345. And why not us? Canada to win tomorrow, plus 525. Hit the cool bet exclusives, though, tomorrow before the game. Jake and I will have another uh, Doha double. We may very well have both picks coming from the Canada game. Um, but if not, we'll have Spain, Costa Rica, and Belgium and Canada on it. And did the lock shop for tomorrow's episode with some soccer talk as well as the three NFL games on Thanksgiving Thursday in the United States. Dusty and I will have a new lock shop partner parlay for you. We cashed it at over five to one on the weekend. So all I can tell you is we just make the picks and try and throw out winners. You're missing out if you can't, if you haven't seen it, check out the exclusives at CoolBet. And if you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200.
as far as tonight goes, um, do have a few games in the National Hockey League to get to. Uh, Buffalo and Montreal, Habs, slight favorite at home, minus 115. Rangers and Kings, Rangers minus 118. Road favorites in LA, LA even money. And uh, the Red Hot Blues, win three, lose eight, win seven. Can they make it eight in a row? The odds say they can, minus 153. Uh, in Oh, I guess that's tomorrow's game against Buffalo. So Buffalo's got back-to-back. So just two games tonight. Uh, right now, do we have a number for the Jets and Wild? Yes, we do. Wild minus 164. Jets a road underdog plus 139 if you like it. And uh, all the Thursday NFL games are up as well. Buffalo kicking it off as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against the Lions. I know this off by heart because we were just getting ready for the lock shop. Um, the... Uh, Giants, nine and a half point underdogs at Dallas and the Vikings, three point favorites against the New England Patriots. It's all there. Coolbet.com. Don't forget those Coolbet exclusives and the Lockjaw Partner Parlay. Remo, great show today. I know you uh, had a few NHL news and notes we wanted to drop before the end of the show. Yeah, just a couple things from last night and around the league. Um Shout out to Patrice Bergeron, 1,000 point last night in his Hall of Fame career. Big celebration there from the Bruins. Uh, the Devils has winning their 13th game in a row. Watch out for the Devils oh. taking down the Oilers yesterday who, I don't know, they're in trouble. They don't they don't have a defense. They don't have a penalty kill. Their goaltending situation. They've been rocking Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell broke his nose after taking a puck on the bench to the face. Uh, oh. You're not even in the game, and a puck hits you in the face. Crazy. Been a tough start for Jack uh, out there in mm-hmm. his new five-year contract in Edmonton so far. Stewie Skins yeah. playing well. And He's... I don't know how much trouble they're in as long as they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl. It's a long season. I still think mm-hmm. we'll be hearing from the Oilers at the end of this year. Yeah, uh, Kale McCarr, shout out to him as fastest defenseman ever to 200 points. When you think of defensemen like Ray Bork or Bobby Orr, Kale McCarr beat them. Uh, and Paul Coffey, even fastest, or 200 points. I say 2,000. Uh, today, we got some news. Waivers, uh, former Jet Zach Sanford hitting the wire at 1 o'clock when the news came out. Wayne Simmons as well. And I wonder if the Jets put in a claim, bring back Zach Sanford. Uh, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Hard no on that. <laughs> and the okay, the issues for the Leafs on defense continue. Uh, Muzzin already uh, injured long term. Now Morgan Riley, he's uh, p- placed on LTIR four to six weeks, I believe, with a he was a knee injury he suffered yesterday. So Leafs in trouble. And uh, Ottawa lost again yesterday. They we called them off season champions, but uh, in it's season. not the off season anymore. <laughs> it's not the yeah. It's, they actually had to play games, and uh, they don't really have. Uh, defense and uh, i think that's i think that's all, all i got here i'll save some well, of it and for you know tomorrow. just on ottawa and mike mike brought this up um you know there has been a lot of talk about ottawa looking for a defenseman there's been a lot of ottawa scouts in and around winnipeg jet games and you know, i'm not sure what the jets will be looking for from ottawa or who the member of the blue line that potentially could be available but um you know as as these injuries have piled up for the winnipeg jets um I really do think that, you know, as Mike mentioned, I think there's more and more conversations happening and maybe this could be what pushes the Winnipeg Jets to do something like that. Although I know they love the depth that they have on the blue line right now. Last night was a perfect example with Dylan DeMello out, um, Logan Stanley out. 
Billy Hanela got a chance to play and acquitted himself quite well. I'll expect to see him again in the lineup tomorrow night, barring a return, unexpected return from DeMello tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild. And there'll be another great opportunity for Billy to prove to the coaching staff that he's ready for a regular shift right now in the National Hockey League and is one of the top six. Debate amongst yourselves in the chat and in the comments on that. Um, that's going to do it for us, folks, today from Doha. Now, again, tomorrow, I will not be on the program because I will be at the Canada-Belgium game. Remo and the gang will be holding it down here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Back the next day to talk all about it. In the meantime, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Hustlerama and Cool Bet Canada on Instagram and Twitter for all of our content here from the World Cup in the Middle East. And I'll look forward to being back on Thursday to talk all about it. A little bit of Thursday Turkey Day in the U.S. NFL. Tomorrow's Jets wild game. And a look ahead to Friday as the Jets continue this big road trip in the Central Division. Huge thanks to Trevor Kidd. What an amazing segment that was. If you tuned in late, make sure you check that out in and around the first, uh, well, the first guest segment. Mike McIntyre, as always, and Great to talk to Steve Sandor and get ready for Canada's return to the World Cup tomorrow. Folks, thank you so much. Uh, good night. Well, actually, it's now officially Wednesday here in Qatar. Uh, have a great rest of your Tuesday back home and uh, join Remo and the gang tomorrow for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'll be back live from Qatar on Thursday night. Thanks for doing this, everyone. Have a great one, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Go Canada at the World Cup. Oh, my God. Oh! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.